Ah, well, hello, you beautiful people. This is Gary Horn, and this, this is This is the NWA. It's the podcast celebrating the past, present, future history, legacy, and tradition of one of the greatest pro wrestling entities of all time. Talking about that National Wrestling Alliance. And uh, this is our first live stream on the new YouTube channel, and I'm not alone. Today, I have with me, or tonight, I have with me, Mr. Will Martin. Will, thank you so much for joining me. Man, thank you for having me. And Gary, you're never alone, man. That yeah. is really, really sweet. I, um, I, I, I've just felt lonely because we're all in quarantine, but I'm glad that you are here to join me in a quarantine stream and we can uh, do this thing together. Well, you, uh, you've, you've had your own uh, YouTube channel going on. And so we just met yesterday and uh, <laughs> right. that's, that's not true. Will, Will and I actually know each other. And, uh, and so Will got uh, hooked into the NWA. Will's a longtime wrestling fan. And I guess uh, tell people a little bit about you because this will go out on the podcast and stuff. And so that people that may not know who Will Martin is, uh, I've got to go get my glass over here anyway. So you tell them who you are, buddy. Well, appreciate it. Yeah, I'll just take it from here, Gary. You just take a little break. Um, so, yeah, I, I've been a lifelong wrestling fan. Uh, shameless quick plug for my YouTube channel if you want to go watch uh, an intro video about my history as a wrestling fan um, since literally as far back as I can remember, starting with WCW. I kind of just missed uh, the NWA as it phased out into the WCW, so I don't have a lot of history specifically with the NWA, but WCW into the Attitude Era, you know, and the the normal lull during uh, ruthless aggression that most of us had. And then, um, yeah, just got reinvigorated in about 2015 into wrestling and WWE and recently AEW. Um, but now, and really, Gary, through your inspiration, because uh, I remember when you started, this is the NWA podcast, this podcast, I, I was super happy for you. And I was, at the time, I was really interested in the NWA, but um, I was about to have a, a child be born. And so life got very busy uh, following, you know, directly following that. So, you know, we, we got your priorities are out of line, but fair enough. <laughs> well, you know, so we got into this quarantine state that we're in now. And I just, you know, you and I have been talking um, a little bit. And honestly, we haven't, we haven't, we've stayed in touch via social media, but we haven't really hung out or talked much in a few years and we just connected and I was just like man you know this is the perfect time for me to jump headfirst into the NWA and um, as soon as I did I was so I don't want to say pleasantly surprised because I knew it was going to be good um, just because of who owns it and who's running the show and the talent that they have so I knew it was going to be good um, but I didn't realize it was going to hook me in that fast and so I just like I'm quarantined. I don't have a lot of people to talk to. And I just, I needed a, a outlet for that. And so I just started recording some videos about uh, my reactions to starting with the first episode of 10 pounds of gold and the video I have up now, the latest one goes through the first 10 episodes. And so, I mean, guys, this is real time. Like this is not like, this isn't something that happened like a year ago. This is like me now. And then you asked me to come on and talk about the first two episodes of power i literally just watched them for the first time so for you this is like a recap for me this is almost like i'm covering a current event so I, i'm just excited to be here talking about it and um i think it's gonna be fun 
That's awesome, man. It's uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you, buddy. And it's been excited, uh, exciting seeing you uh, do what you've done. You, it's really impressive. The videos are Robert Stinson's in the chat right now saying, man, your reviews are absolutely dope. So um, I, I think you're, you're yes, picking up a little fan base. Um, no, no, it's, it's really good stuff. And it's cool to see somebody uh, reviewing stuff for the first time. I even saw like Tim Storm like or retweet your tweet or the tweet I put out about uh, wishing I could see that Aldis and Storm feud again for the first time. And oh, uh, so good. So good. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. And, and they've, they've just had this rivalry since the rebirth of the NWA. That's just, uh, well, it's still carrying on to this day technically. So, uh, I think there's always going to be like a little one-upsmanship between the two of them. And, uh, anyway, so we're, we're actually, we are going to talk about episode, uh, one and two of NWA power. We're going to do that because I wanted to get into reviewing them. I don't have any reviews of the episodes up on on the this is the nwa uh account so what i thought would be fun uh, will and i actually have a project we've been talking about doing but we'll talk about that another time but it I, I thought it would be fun to get new people on and discuss the episodes of power maybe even bring in some new people like yourself who haven't been watching it um i've got some folks lined up uh over the next little while that um haven't watched any nwa yet and they're going to just do it just to come on the podcast and talk about what they've seen so uh i think that'll be a lot of fun and that'll give an opportunity to get some reviews up there for in the future when you know maybe some evergreen content so when people come in and uh want to check out the uh nwa power show they can also watch the reviews um before i get there will though um I did want to ask you the, the the ten pounds of gold. That's a that's a big step that a lot of people I'm finding out right now haven't taken. Um, they didn't go back and watch that far. They've there. There's a ton of people you'll see on Twitter and everywhere else that have just started with power. So like that's their first interaction with the NWA since its rebirth and everything. Um, would you recommend people go back and watch those uh, ten pounds of gold series? Absolutely, man. I mean, they're. I think. I think they're vital. Um, and again, I'm just starting this journey. So I'm not, I'm by no means the expert here. But so for me, I'm, I'm a big context person. I like context. And when I watch wrestling, it, it, it's the same as when I watch a movie. I love storylines. I like character development, all that kind of stuff. So for me, it definitely made sense for me to go back as far as I could I even tried to go back further than 10 pounds of gold. And I, there was just not a lot of information before, you know, Billy Corgan bought um, the NWA, um, especially like video and, you know, articles and stuff like that. So really that's kind of as far back as you can go um, and have some like solid documentation. But I, I love the character development and I love to be able to, uh, so like pr perfect example is I actually watched the episode, uh, the first episode of NWA Power live the night it came out just because i'm a wrestling fan i knew it was happening i'm excited um but i watched it again now that i've watched 10 pounds of gold and it was like amplified like times a thousand so if you're like me and you enjoy the context and the storylines and uh the character development absolutely go watch 10 pounds of gold even if you are caught up and you're just going back and doing it as a review i think it's it's an incredible resource out there to kind of you know just reinstill those those characters and that development because it's i think it's vital 
Yeah, I, I, I love that series. And that's where I actually jumped on the first time was uh, with the 10 pounds of gold series. As soon as I heard, um, I don't want to give away too much about uh, your show. People should go check out uh, your YouTube channel and, uh, and see those videos or, or unless we work something out otherwise uh, to get them over here or something, people need to see them because I can the, be bought. Um, I can be bought. You can be bought. <laughs> you want them on your channel. There's a price. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll talk about that after. Um, the uh, no, no naughty, naughty stuff here. Um, <laughs> no, we're good. Uh, the um, so what I was going to say is I, I jumped on because I was into the Smashing Pumpkins already. Like I love the Smashing Pumpkins. I think you had like kind of a similar story. Um, so as soon as I saw that Billy Corgan bought the NWA, uh, like you mentioned, I, I love. I, I was watching the videos today and uh, just seeing that like you and I had kind of similar sentiment, like that this merging of like rock and roll and wrestling and just this idea that Billy Corgan uh, out of all people has decided to go buy a company. And I, I, I was on on day one when I heard about it and started watching the 10 pounds of gold series. And I, I still uh, was I'm looking for. I still just hold those things in such high regard. And I think they, they've got their own cool journey and a, and a journey that people uh, I'm rambling on about this just because I, I also think people should check it out because a lot of the characters that you see even now in NWA power, you might not have the appreciation for uh, that you would have watch if you've seen the 10 pounds of gold series, one of those is uh, Josephus. Yes, and uh, you had a little bit about, about Josephus. Say, say that again. I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. Uh, yeah, man. I was about to say that. Like, as you were talking, I was just like, man, that, and I mentioned it in, in my latest video, um, just like it, it took a little while for him to grow on me, but it was like, when I, when I, when I first was introduced to him, it was just kind of like, Oh, here's a strange guy. He's probably going to be here and then gone. And then the the rematch with him and Tim Storm, I was just like blown away. I was like, this is my favorite. He's my favorite, you know? And I just, I, I latched onto him and uh, yeah, that, that was a great part of that story. It'll give me a, um, the, an excuse to bring back, like uh, I, I was doing on the podcast when it was just a podcast, I was doing these, uh, rewatches then and I, I similar idea to what i was just talking about i would have people come in and, and watch like the 10 pounds of gold series like we do like several episodes at a time and i would have them sit down and and talk to me and uh oh man the three percent thing gets everybody it like hooks them in and him on the hollywood uh walk of fame or whatever that is that the stars um oh my god that 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 hooks people it was cool to see it hooked you too and you you will see on Twitter, like there is a huge cult following for Josephus. And yeah. uh, it's it's actually kind of, it, for what you've seen of power so far, we'll get into, but uh, he, he hasn't had the best of luck since uh, the uh, NWA power show has started up, but uh, well, that, he, he was a big deal. That's a point. That's a point that, that, that I'll make when we get there, um, because that was just such a big shift from what I saw in, 10 pounds of gold to then what I, what I experienced in these first two episodes. So. Okay. Well, uh, I guess we'll let's, let's jump into it. Uh, I won't, I won't dig any further into 10 pounds of gold and let you experience that. Uh, one of the cool parts, another cool part about your video was that you were talking about all the stuff that you expected to happen and doesn't happen. And it just happens in a different way. Um, that, uh, you know, that still had the element of surprise for you. Like you didn't, 
know exactly what was coming next. Did you, by the way, have you seen the pay-per-views yet? Like, I mean, as far as Crockett Cup, uh, any any of that stuff, the, nope. the NWA 70th anniversary? Okay. Nope. Did you nope. watch All In? I did. I watched that live when it happened. Okay. Yes, yeah, so you're you're building up to to all in uh, yep. right now, probably in where you're at. And yeah, that's that's some good stuff, man. I miss all of that. And uh, Aldis and Cody, man, they have such good chemistry together. Like I, that's one I still hold out that we'll get a Aldis and Cody three someday. Ooh, that'd be nice. All right. All right, so I'm going to jump in and we'll just do a review here. Thanks to the folks in the chat. We do appreciate you. Uh, I, I will try to acknowledge as I can. I did pull up the chat. I popped it out instead of the uh, video so I don't freak myself out. But uh, yeah, Robert Stetson in the chat said, rock, wrestling, theater, philosophy, et cetera, all appeal to the same intellect. Absolutely. That's how I feel, Robert Stetson. Thank you for joining us, by the way. And thank you, Jennifer, my wife, for also being there. Uh, she has been anxious for me to get back on uh, live recording, I think probably to um, get rid of me. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, we're going to run through the episodes here. Episode one and two of NWA Power. And uh, hey, thanks to The Nation Show for jumping in. Uh, hope your show goes well. Uh, I appreciate that, brother. Uh, Jordan Huey over at the overtimer.com is where I'm getting the results from NWA Power. Will and I have both uh, rewatched them or Will for the first time, but I'm going to use his outline of the recap and just kind of read through that to give us a guidance through the shows. And uh, we will uh, start with the show opens on episode one. We begin with a brief history lesson before David Marquez introduces Aldis and his charge Camille. Marquez says they've gotten to know each other well, been all over the world together, asked what all this means to him. Aldis says an incredibly brilliant man once said, it's so hard to be humble. And now that he's coming up on over 300 days as the real world's champion, it's hard to stay hungry. But he says NWA has grown from a punchline to a headline. He puts over the likes of the wild cards, James Storm, Allison Kay, the NWA's other champs. Aldis puts over the roster gunning for his championship which brings him to Tim Storm. Aldis says he respects him as much as anyone he ever met, but respect is a two-way street. Aldis says that every meal that he's ever put on his son's dinner table comes from pro wrestling, and he hasn't come this far to do the J-O-B in the ATL. When they're done, you will know why he is the national treasure and the world's heavyweight champion. Will, mm. first promo right out of the gate on NWA Power, episode number one, Opens up on Mr. Nick Aldis with that 10 pounds of gold. Camille there at his side. David Marquez with the really cool desk, like the backdrop, everything. What what were your thoughts? Um, well, I mean, who else was going to open it up, right? That That's who it had to be, right? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it was perfect, I thought. Um, I was still, you know, jazzed up from docking as the theme song at that point. So I was still, you know, I, oh I was, man, into the was, fire is it'll, it'll get, it just gets stuck in your head. Yeah. So good. I, I've been, yeah, it's definitely been stuck in my head the last couple of days, but no, I mean, there was a few things about this that I, I particularly loved and particularly I love them because they're different than what I'm used to. And when, whenever I reference what I'm used to, I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, but one thing he did that I'm not used to 
is acknowledging the other champions. Um, to me, that felt like such a really, like a cool, uh, like a, a realistic, like nod to the company, like, uh, and to the fans, because like, we, we're not stupid. Like we know who the champions are and for him to kind of go through the list and acknowledge it. And even when he got to James Storm, he said, Hey, you don't have to like him, but you got to respect him. You know, he's the champion to me that just like, it, it took it up, a, it took it up another notch for me when it comes to uh, believability and, and just genuineness. The fact that he's going to come out there and yeah, he's going to talk about how he's the world's champion and he's, he's, uh, you know, got the 10 pounds of gold, but Hey, look who else we got. We got these other champions. Like we're stacked up, like we're a legit fed, you know? And so that, that was really cool to me. Um, really respectful. I thought uh, that he didn't come out and just hog the limelight in that opening moment. Um, you know, what he said about Tim Storm, I thought was fitting because, you know, you want to put him over, but at the same time, you got a match against him. So you want to, you want to have a little bit of competitiveness in there. One thing I remember thinking, like sitting out there in the crowd, just hearing that is going into that episode one. And I, I, I got to go to a press conference like right before that. And I got to actually sit with him and Tim Storm and talk to him one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. And, you know, I respect the hell out of Nick Aldis and think he's a perfect world's champion, the real world's champion. And then you meet, especially when I got to meet Tim Storm face to face, it's like you, as much as you like him, just seeing everything about him from 10 pounds of gold and just on, on the TV in general, in person, he's exactly that dude. And there's this aura about him. I don't know that he knows how he projects that. Nick Aldis told me uh, in an interview I did, did with him where like Tim walks into the locker room and the boys stood up straight like they just they start straighten it up and they watch how they talk and they just everybody respects Tim Storm and uh and so anyway my point being is that when watching this this promo and I'm thinking god I, I I don't know who I'm gonna pull for like this is a tough call I love both these guys so much and the hard part is, is like you look at Tim Storm and he is the ultimate baby face wrestler. Like he, he's doing a thing that that nobody else can do right now. I don't think. I mean, I can't think of like many people that could pull this off that like he's actually that good guy, tough as nails, like just a genuine worker <laughs> like guy. And people still love him. They don't resent him for it and they don't think it's bs they don't kick him to the curb like a roman reigns or something like that yeah. they don't you know like everybody else they they call bs on but then tim storm it's like this this guy's real and and we respect him but all of that said uh not to talk too much but then nick aldis comes out and i thought he did the perfect and perfect thing in that he made it more difficult by saying look man i know who you are I respect you it's a two-way street though every meal my family eats is paid for by this business you know he's not doing it any other way than just saying like i'm the same as you i bust my tail in the ring and i have a family to take care of and so i'm not gonna just lay back and let you pin me and so that was an interesting approach and not one you get from you know i don't know if aldis is supposed to be the quote-unquote heel here, but it makes the whole contest just that much more uh, 
challenging to know what you what you want to have happen because both these guys are so like you're you're like both of them have to win what what do we do and that's and that's a point too that um that i noticed i mean there are definitely and as we go through these matches it'll be very clear there are very clear heels and faces in all this but there are some very blurry ones in my opinion which i love because again you know and i'm going to talk a lot about when i was a kid because that's my connection that nostalgia factor to wrestling i mean that's that's the deepest connection that i have to it and so like i can remember that from when i was a kid like i you know i didn't know if cactus jack was a baby face or a heel you know i just i liked him i thought it was fun you know and he he was just crazy but you, you just you didn't really get caught up in good guy versus bad guy sometimes you did but you know there are guys that like transcend that I think Nick Aldis is one um I mean you're right Tim Storm is is absolutely a baby face in that role just just out of principle because he is who he is and he's just such a genuine guy but you know there's guys like Nick Aldis even Josephus and 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 people like that 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 line's a little blurry and it's fun because you just get to be a fan of them you don't have to like you're saying you don't really have to pick a side like you can just enjoy a great feud and a great match. And no matter what the outcome is, you know, it's going to be quality because these guys are, you know, incredible professional athletes. Uh, Well said, well said. Uh, Just for anybody just joining us or anybody watching later on, uh, thank you so much for watching this video. Make sure you hit like down there at the bottom and subscribe if you would. We we certainly would appreciate that. And uh, you can see Will's Twitter handle above his head my wife is texting me telling me she thinks i look blurry i don't know what i'm going to do about that now so this is our first live stream tell her that's just what you look like man yeah she married you yeah come on jennifer uh well next up we got the dawson's versus sal renaro and billy buck uh dawson's immediately commits with a double suplex and dawson is legal goes for the cover uh but then picks renaro up before the cover hoist him up basically the dawson's bully around sal renaro and billy buck and uh just kind of demolish them uh, essentially and uh quick win dawson's go over what did you think about uh anybody you saw in this match uh well sal renaro is my favorite wrestler of all time is he there you no. go. <laughs> I mean, out of the first two episodes, he was, I mean, you know, this is not a disrespectful term because all, all of this is needed for storytelling and the industry. And in my opinion, a quote unquote jobber is just as important as anyone else because they work and they come in and they entertain the fans. I was thoroughly entertained by Sal Renaro and also in, in episode two, um, which we'll get to later. But um, yeah, I mean, it, you probably weren't expecting that, but I just want to throw some kudos out to him because I just thought he was a great, um, great performer, great, great athlete, great guy. Um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching him get beat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as the the rest of the match, I mean, it, it was interesting when I was watching, I was like, okay, so this is the first match, you know, the Dawson's and, you know, it, it, it was interesting because it was the first match. Uh, it definitely didn't steal the show, but I think, thought it did what it was supposed to. I thought it, it it created the story for the Dawson's. It set them up as who they needed to be. They looked strong. Um, in my mind, it put them in, in their rightful position so that, you know, moving on things would be set up. Again, you know, I, I don't know if I would have booked that as the first first match right out of the gate, but, um, you know, that's wrestling. You know, we're, we're fans and we're, we're entertained and we let other people book it. 
Yeah, I, I will say that, uh, you know, this may come as a surprise to you, but Sal was uh, doing doing this podcast. He is, was definitely one of the most requested people I would get in my DMs, like talk to Sal Renaro, talk to Sal Renaro. And I finally did get him. And uh, I talked to that guy for like an hour and a half and I could have gone longer. I had to like hang up with him because I had like Royce Isaacs in a, a scheduled thing like right after. And I was like, Sal, I got to go. I got to go. You have to come oh, back. Man. Like I could have talked to that dude forever. He is amazing and he's got a cool story too just that that guy's been wrestling since like 1997 i think wow and uh yeah and he you know he's been through his ups and downs and kind of looks at this as like one of he's i think he said you know he doesn't want to say it's his last chance but it could very well be you know to to make something happen and uh uh, the people in the crowd love him. The further along this goes, like you can tell that Sal gets a lot of love from the NWA crowd. And and I think with the Dawsons, you make a good point too. Like the, it sets them up as a very old school, heel, rough tag team. And so um, I kind of like that direction. Um, Sal was very proud too, by the way, that he he can always say he was in the very first match on NWA Power. Yeah, that, I, I had that thought actually when I was watching. I was like, man, I mean, Nobody can take that away from him, you know? Yeah, it's true. Um, after the match is over, the uh, they get an interview with the Dawsons, and uh, they say this is just a taste of what you're going to get. They own this world. They're here to fight, and they don't care how they win. Uh, they're two guys you turn the other way from when you see them in an alley. Uh, they're the guys that bullied you for your lunch money when you were a kid. And that's, a, that's again, that old school, like, just – nasty heel from the 80s kind of stuff you know i, I kind of dug that um the next thing that you saw though will I, I have to pick your brain about this is uh one of the great commercials that the nwa produces uh featuring austin idol's training facility the universal wrestling college what did you think of this well i'm starting next week <laughs> um no it it it, it was it was sensational, man. I, I just, all of those commercials, and I mean, we could do a, we could do a podcast where we just talk about the commercials for an hour, probably, but I mean, they're so creative. They're so funny. They, they know who they are. I mean, it's just, it's, there's, and so I work in marketing. So I'm a professional marketer and I look at advertisements and content and things like that through a little bit of a different lens. And what makes the NWA's content so spectacular to me is that they're so aware of who they are. Like there's just this deep self-awareness that we are the NWA and we, we've got everything from cartoony characters to these cheese ball commercials to like the most baddest ass wrestlers on the planet, you know? And they do it all really well. And so these commercials are just part of that. And I just, you know, it, 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 it was a great break and it, it just made you feel like you were watching studio wrestling in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, we're, you know, we're lucky that uh, Austin Idol's training facility is nearest. So maybe we can go uh, get beat up by Austin Idol at some point. That would be a lot. We're, of start, we're starting our tag team, right? Wonderful. What was it? Wonderful Will and Gorgeous Gary. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Oh, man. Um, speak, speaking of that makes me think of uh, what do you what do you think of as far as the show goes thus far uh, I guess just in general 
um the the announced team the commentary like that stuff uh, are, are you digging uh, those guys joe galley jim Cornette, i think is on there right now and um david marquez uh you know doing the interviews at the podium that sort of thing yeah um and then i think there's another guy kyle that was doing one of the backstage segments that's he right had, kyle davis he had, yeah he had the unfortunate task of getting yelled at by uh, i think kingston but um yeah i mean i think it's great i think joe galley is you know he doesn't keep it a secret that he's an award-winning broadcaster so <laughs> the, the seeds kind of get planted and you know like this guy's legit and he's um in the in the news field and kind of knows what he's doing so that really did give it some legitimacy uh from the common commentary angle and then of course cornet i mean that that's you know, his voice alone takes me back to the early 90s when I was a kid and the first started watching wrestling. Um, so, yeah, I, I love I love the commentary. Awesome. Uh, next up, David Marquez welcomes out uh, Eli Drake. No, actually, I think it's Joe Galley introduces Eli Drake. And um, ask anybody on earth, and Atlanta GA is NWA country. Gets this, like, yes going and uh he talks about uh nick aldis talks about james storm and essentially just says anybody that's got a belt a gold belt on right now i'm coming for you and uh uh so what like your your first uh interaction with eli drake it was that was um so you know and and again like the the emphasis on the championships was so great to me because like yeah duh like anybody there is going to want to want to win championships that's why you're there you know and so that that really gave it even more uh legitimacy for me and and kind of for eli drake especially you know really put him over in my mind yeah one of the things that you mentioned that i really liked in your in one of your videos is you talked about it it kind of threw you off when you were watching 10 pounds of gold and tim storm defends against aldis but then the very next day or something he's off to lake face uh josephus and you're like man this is so weird like there's a feud going on but now he's in a different feud and yeah. you're like but but that actually makes sense like it's the world's championship like there would be multiple people gunning for this thing at one time. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, I thought absolutely. That was that's why you're point. there. That's why you're there. Like any other sport, it's like you want to be the champion, right? Like nobody, nobody sets out to finish mid-level. You know, we want to finish you know, top 50. You want to win. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that, uh, and, and, I, and I make light of it in the video that you're referencing, but like it did kind of get me scratching my head because I was like, why would that throw me off? Like it makes total sense in reality that multiple people would be coming after the most prestigious title in the company. Um, now the next thing that happens is Eli Drake jumps in with uh, Caleb Conley and they have, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into details like everything since we want to get through these, but the the match I thought was was good. And, and it, it kind of was like this nice, uh, justice position from like the uh, dominant heel rough t 
tag team demolishing someone and then you get like a legitimate like wrestling match between two guys cam conley very uh light on his feet like kind of got that aerial kind of style and eli drake like just a technical wrestler uh um what do, do you have any thoughts about that matchup uh, eli drake ends up coming out on top on that one yeah i mean you summed it up perfectly i mean I, my big takeaway was that they can't all be squash matches and I'm glad they're not um, because you're, you're exactly right. Just that juxtaposition of, you know, we did see kind of a dominant match and then we saw a match where both guys got in some good offense and it was competitive, uh, made the outcome a little more, um, you know, edge of your seat and kind of, you know, contributed to the, to the whole story arc of the whole episode. Yeah, I thought it was a really nice showcase for both people. And and whereas, you know, we talked about with Sal uh, being the uh, jobber character in, in his scenario, Caleb obviously didn't get an interview beforehand or anything like that. But so he, he I think, looks as though he would be the jobber character, but actually puts up a fight with Eli Drake. So it's like a, a competitive matchup. So you, I think even in the loss, like looks as though like, okay, there may be more to come from this guy. Like, he's yeah. he's just getting his footing in the NWA. Um, which brings me to another thing real quick uh, as we move on. Um, what, do you, what do you think about the no entrance music and all of that stuff in the NWA? Power Man, Man. That, that was a big note for me. And I kept, you know, I kept, um, I kept debating whether or not to bring it up here because, you know, being new to the NWA, I'm like, okay, is this like forbidden territory? Is this just something like people love? And or is this just something no one's talking about? I mean, for me, man, I love entrance music. I mean, I, I could, I could, you know, I could make you a, a, a mixtape of my favorite entrances of all time. Like, to me, that that is a big deal. So I, to, to answer your question, it is a little disappointing to me that there is no entrance music and, I, and it kind of left me wondering like what these guys entrance music would be if they had it um even like an eli drake like to me you know as we mentioned before i'm a musical guy you're a musical guy like to me music has that emotional tie and so it kind of sets the stage for a lot of that stuff um so i definitely noticed it was missing i don't i don't think we should have to pull punches on anything i mean uh, in my experience those guys uh the the folks like Lagana and everyone uh they listen and they want to know what people think uh I think for them that the lack of interest music is a throwback to uh some studio wrestling they were also kind of in the uh situation of uh, there's only a short way to walk to the ring so they right. just like come out from a curtain they're right in the ring and uh so there was a lot of weighing in and out of, of that from talking to some of them uh the wrestlers also felt the same way so i mean they'll they'll straight up tell you like the the first days there they were like what is this like how how do we not get entrances and uh yeah not, and then not. a lot of them turn around and say uh that it's interesting though because you know exactly where you stand right when you walk through the curtain yeah when i was a kid man i you know i had all the figures in the wrestling ring and like 90% of what I did when I was a kid playing with them was the entrances. I had my little jam box, my little boom box. I got, I got Sting here. So this is, this is, this isn't the actual figure, but I re repurchased him. But, you know, I would have him walking out of the ring. I'd either be humming the music or I'd have it like tape recorded from the TV. So, I mean, you know. Man called Sting. Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, I, I miss it. I mean, but at the same time, like you're putting out a good product. I can look past stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, this, this, by the way, is not like some fully accepted thing. It is a debated, probably still to this day thing. I think uh, people have kind of been beaten into submission over it. They're just like, oh, this is the way it is. But, but I will say this too, you have this to look forward to. If you're wondering what their entrance music sounds like at pay-per-views, they do get full entrances. So uh, good. Good, yeah good. so they 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 have entrance music all of, all of that stuff uh the uh next thing up is we get to see josephus josephus uh, you see a recap of some aldous and storm stuff but we'll skip past that josephus interrupts the commentators as they're about to inter- introduce tim storm josephus yells for storm demands he wants him out there right now Corny asks if they should take a break and see if they could get him out there. They indeed cut to some interviews with fans putting over the resurgence of the NWA. We come back and Josephus is still hollering to get Storm out here. Where is Storm? He keeps calling for it. And then James Storm emerges. And uh, that is clearly not who Josephus was looking for. But uh, Jose- you more, uh, James. You be more specific, man. <laughs> That's true. You get what you ask for. Uh, and, and James is, I gotta say, James is pretty harsh on Josephus here. Like James Storm says some stuff like uh, that, you know, he's a pretend tough guy and guys like him can never walk a mile in his shoes. And uh, he says uh, he should go back to his desk job, quit trying to play a star, leave, the, leave this to the real stars. Uh, he says Josephus is nothing but a joke. And this causes a brawl to break out. The referees uh, have to separate them. Any thoughts there? Yeah, I thought it was pretty harsh. And, you know, as as a follower of the Brittany path with Josephus, I felt personal hurt from James Storm because of, of these remarks. So. <laughs> yeah, and uh, as a person who's come to love James Storm, or I'm sorry, uh, Josephus, it, it, do, do you have familiarity with James Storm, by the way? Uh, I don't. I don't. Kind of, I mean, same boat with a lot of these guys, man. I mean, if they if they didn't have any kind of substantial run on the USA Network in the last four years, I, I'm probably not super familiar with them. So, you know, it, it's it's a it's a negative and a positive because I'm kind of meeting these guys with everyone else as, as this kind of unfolds. But you know, from, from just looking at him, obviously I can tell he's a tough dude. Um, he's got great promo skills. I mean, when he's on the mic, you fear, I mean, you know, this is a guy to be feared. Uh, he's a tough guy. So, um, yeah, I, I thought, I thought it was great. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. James Storm, uh, obviously a guy who's had some history in impact TNA, uh, as a as a world champion there at one point and that sort of thing he's he, he was hot for a little while but then kind of whatever happened happened and uh I, I think he was one of those guys that seemed like he might bring tna up to that next level and then it just i don't know it just never happened uh i was happy to see him in the nwa though obviously he's got some issues with nick aldis uh we'll get to that though eventually uh Next up, the match was the Wild Cards versus Danny White and Mims. Uh, we got another heel tag team making their presence known here, essentially. Royce Isaacs and Tom Latimer uh, taking it to Danny White and Mims. Not much of a, a 
fight in this one. Yeah. Uh, Tom hits that huge uh, power bomb, and Royce hits the uh, German suplex. I think it's like the full Nelson into the German suplex. Did he do that one here? I can't remember. I think that was it. Um, but uh, yeah, man, what did you think about these guys? It was great. I, I, I really appreciate it. I think it was Cornette that kind of went through the history of how these guys became tag champs. So that was really helpful to me as a first time viewer. I uh, thought that was a nice touch, just knowing your audience and knowing that they probably didn't have the context for, for these guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, the really the, the one takeaway for me was like, man, those belts are shiny. Like they are shiny gold. Like they're like a different kind of, I don't know what kind of gold those belts are, but like, damn, it's shiny, you know? Dude, they, they're not only shiny, but they're heavy. They're really? super heavy. I, I was, I was lucky enough to like at one of the meet and greets at the show, like got to hold the tag belts and they are no joke, man. You talk about the 10 pounds of gold. I, I swear these things have to be like 15 or 20 or something like they're, they are super heavy belts. They're, they're a lot. I, I, I don't it, know man. what, what it is. I believe it. They just, there's like a look about them when I, when I first like, and I kind of saw it when they came out, but I think in that first promo post-match was when I really got a good look at them. And I was like, man, like those look legit, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. It was good of uh, Corny to, to talk about the wild cards in this segment, just because uh, the people might not have the history. Uh, I'm a big fan of the wild cards. I love those guys. Uh, but I could tell that story another day. Just uh, those those guys were uh, some of the first people I met from the NWA, and then they were really, really cool, which probably cuts against their character, I guess. I shouldn't say that, but uh, Latimer's just a beast, and Royce Isaacs is young and just got a good build and super athletic. Like he, I just think they're top-notch tag team. Uh, Marquez interviews them afterwards, says the world is eyeing both of them and want those belts just as much. Latimer interrupts, saying no one cares what he has to say. They are tag team champions of the world. Isaacs calls themselves thoroughbreds. Eddie Kingston comes out. And uh, he says he's sorry to interrupt. No disrespect to Bram. Sorry, Tommy boy. Uh, he says the wild cards are holding the top tag titles of the world today. They chirp about this. And Kingston demands they let him speak before they get slapped. Says in this world, it means nothing to him because they don't speak for guys like him. They don't speak for the stray dogs, the underdogs. They don't speak for the outlaws. Wild cards are pissed about this, shove the podium away. Homicide emerges to back up Kingston. Meanwhile, uh, at the back, Storm and Josephus are still fighting. Here they come. <laughs> they <tumble out laughs> and they're out there. And, uh, and uh, he, they end up like pushing for a match. And I guess this causes the wild cards and kicks and homicide to break up. But uh, thoughts on this whole segment? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was great for a couple of reasons. Um, Kingston, I mean, he is the perfect like New York attitude slash humor um, for me. I thought it was I thought it was really entertaining uh, what he said. I mean, I love that they like kind of almost got into a brawl but didn't really and then suddenly like here's Josephus and, and James Storm again I thought that was a really cool way to make that transition so there was a lot of storytelling going on really rapidly but 
it's still all tied together and I, I didn't have like whiplash you know what I mean it was interesting because if that had happened like somewhere else or with some other storylines that I've seen before like it would have been like wait what is happening but that was almost like oh yeah these guys are still fighting like of course you know uh that's awesome it, it leads right into James Storm versus Josephus I guess it's uh, an okay thing to just throw that in right here because uh Josephus uh tries to charge at James and uh uh when Josephus rushes in James Storm just kicks him in the face and that's the end uh, of the matchup yeah. for Josephus uh, a long long way to fall for that guy yeah and that was my thought exactly man I mean we 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 alluded to it earlier but I, like as soon as I saw that and I kind of felt it coming I was like wait a minute like this isn't like he's got a haircut he's trimmed his beard and now he's like one super kicks taking him out you know what did I miss like now I gotta, I gotta fill in the gaps somewhere but yeah it was definitely I was I was a little disappointed in that uh you could say well as far as the hair goes you're on the right path you're gonna find out um exactly why his hair is shorter and stuff like that but uh yeah. Josephus has he stays pretty relevant for a long time up until apparently the first episode of NWA Power but uh, he yeah it's uh it's sad to see uh James Storm be able to take him out so easy and not only that but then just like uh just continues to uh uh beats the hell out of him basically yeah. for a little bit after puts his thumb in his mouth and uh josephus just a big I, old baby i did think that was funny i mean as as, as big of a, <laughs> of a josephus fan as i am at this point i thought that was hilarious and really only he could pull that off in that moment like that was perfect but hey i'm gonna yeah. let you set up this this next part i'm gonna take a bathroom break and i'll be right back well, I could also use this time, uh, yeah, feel free, Will, sorry, uh, to welcome Turbo into the chat. Thank you so much, Turbo, for joining us. Uh, honestly, this is, uh, again, I, I've been doing this a lot lately with this stuff, and this is probably not uh, professionally how you do it, like me fixing my hair right now on the live stream. But it uh, feels good to be back live. Honestly, I'm glad to see uh, Mr. Stinson, Turbo. Uh, Jennifer was in here, maybe still be. Uh, and uh, Natalia Martin was in here as well. She was, she was something about that's uh, Will's lovely wife. So uh, it's, uh, it's good to have people back. The Nation Show, I should shout out. They stopped through. And uh, this is cool, man. I, I'm, I'm happy to be doing this again it's not uh, under perfect circumstances i i don't know everything about live streaming and how to do it but hopefully this looks okay for right now and uh as we do we will continue to learn and get better as uh we go along so for those of you just joining us if you're watching this later or whatever we are doing the corn stream and part of that process is, is I want to review and redo all of the NWA Power episodes. Uh, I want to just, uh, let's binge them. Man, we got nothing else going on. Let's binge watch NWA Power. And so that's what we're doing. And uh, Will Martin is here. If you don't already know Will, it's at Hey, it's Will on all the social medias. Uh, probably. One L. One L. One L. <laughs> That that's a good point. You do uh, spell your name real weird. I haven't but, checked uh, out. I haven't checked out if there's a hey, it's Will with two L's or not, or what they're about. But 
Yeah, just stick with me. Uh, despite what my wife said, Mr. Stinson in the chat says that it looks great on his end. So I, uh, sorry, Jennifer, maybe, maybe it was just blurry for you. Uh, anyway, so uh, we're reviewing NWA Power episodes one and two tonight. We're just uh, marching our way through, just uh, hanging out in the quarantine with you folks. If you want to join us, we're we're happy to have you, and uh, we're going to keep doing this thing. I think Mr. Stence is going to join me on one of these episodes later on, talking about an NWA Power episode. All right, and uh, so the next thing up is uh, we get an interview with Tim Storm. Uh, he says he never even dreamed or he never even dreamed he'd be NWA's world heavyweight champion to say that he deserves to be on the list of the greatest names of all time. He just can't believe that's true. It's humbling. People will say because of his age, he shouldn't be doing this. He says he hopes he's 70 and still wrestling. It's a beautiful view from the mountaintop. He never wants to come down. Um, Tim Storm, I mean, we've said uh, a lot of stuff about Tim Storm. Uh, they, they show a recap about him uh, losing to Aldis to lose that uh, NWA title. And uh, then, uh, and I'm sorry, I should have specified that interview was a past interview because Joe welcomes Tim Storm to ringside to interview him. And, uh, and they kind of established that th if Tim Storm can't win the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship here, he's made uh, an agreement in the stipulation. This is last time that's going to do this. This is a stipulation that uh, another bigger company will use later too. Uh, but uh, I mean, I, I'm sure that this is not the first time that stipulation has happened, but uh, the, he says he, uh, that what defined pro wrestling for him growing up was NWA from Georgia. What defines him as a man is completely different than what defines him as a pro wrestler. He's got a 94-year-old mom that he couldn't even tell he was going to be here today. Says she wouldn't ask if he lost, but she always just asked if he got hurt. And uh, says he'll always be Mama Storm's baby boy. And uh, Mama Storm chants break out. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and Will, you'll be happy to know, continue to break out to this day. <laughs> but uh, Good. Um, Storm calls Aldis one of the best champions of all time, says he didn't have to give him this chance, says it was not an easy decision, but he has to do it because there is nothing in the world more important to him than that NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. He quotes a great philosopher who says, if you had one chance, one opportunity, to have everything you ever wanted, would you do it or would you just let it slip away? He said, the truth is this, under those circumstances, he can't lose. Uh... There's nothing more important than that NWA title. Uh, are, you, are you feeling, at this point, are you feeling that Tim Storm promo? Absolutely, man. And, you know, I, with with my recent experience going through the 10 pounds of gold, I mean, you know, I just, I, I feel such a connection to the guy. And I don't feel, you know, contrary to the people that, that lived it while it was happening in 2017, I don't feel that far removed. I mean, I feel like, to me, he lost the title last weekend, you know? So, I mean, this is, this is, to me, it felt like just a, an immediate continuation. So I was definitely still um, bought into him and uh, felt that attachment to him. Um, this promo right in line with, you know, what, what was conveyed to me through 10 pounds of gold, just this genuine, authentic family man, um, who just happens to be an incredible pro wrestler in his 50s, you know, it still amazes me. And when we get into the match 
I'll talk more about that. But yeah, I mean, the promo, it was, it was perfect pro wrestling promo for me about a guy who was challenging for a championship. I was convinced that, that, that was his greatest wrestling accomplishment. I mean, I bought it. I mean, it was real. Well, and, and we could jump right into the match. I mean, it's the very next thing. Uh, Nick Aldis with Camille defending against Tim Storm. And uh, one thing, uh, if you look at the thumbnail I'll probably post for this video is uh, I, I, I went back and slowed the video down just so I could pause it and try to get a perfect shot of the beginning of this match because I just wanted that for the thumbnail because – no two guys, like, I don't care if you've never seen the NWA before. Like, I don't care if you don't have any idea what the 10 pounds of gold is or who Ric Flair is or any of that stuff. Like, the way they look at and treat this championship, I mean, it is the most important thing on earth. And I, I just... The picture I got is, you know, Aldis walks in the ring and it was like I was trying to gauge it from all of these things. Like Aldis walks in the ring, he takes the belt off and he just stares at it for a minute and he kisses it. He puts it down on the turnbuckle while he takes off his jacket, just holds it delicately, and like walks it back over to the referee and the referee comes to take it from it and he kisses it one more time. Like maybe this is the last time I'm going to see you and uh he hands it to the ref and the ref holds it up and everybody everybody is staring up at that belt when he holds it up and and it may not mean anything to some people but to me i was watching it tim storm's eyes are locked on that belt this is the picture i got his eyes are locked Nick Aldis is staring up. Camille at ringside is staring up at that belt. There are people in the crowd taking photos and staring up at that belt. It's just like, this, this is the pinnacle. When's the last time you felt like a WWE championship was that? Never, man. And that, that's what, you know, as I go through the, the 10 pounds of gold, that's like the thought that keeps elevating more and more every episode in my mind is like, I've never seen, you know, I've been a lifelong wrestling fan and I've never held a title in such high esteem as I do now because of the way they treat it and the way they book it. I mean, it's, it's, it's prestigious. It is, it is the mountaintop and everyone treats it that way. Not just the person that has it, the person that's going after it, even the people, as you mentioned, in the crowd, I know you were sitting in the crowd. Like if I was there, I would have been eyes locked on it too, man, because it's like, it's something to behold because of the way that they frame it to us as fans and the way that every, every, you know, uh, wrestler in the company looks at it and talks. It had been talked about throughout the night, not just by Tim Storm and Nick Aldis. It had been talked about by like four or five other guys. So you knew it was, it was something to be valued. Yeah. I mean, it is that uh, whole perception is reality thing, or I, I don't know. It's well, and, and you know, it's not even just the perception of it too, because I mean, you, you mentioned this and throwing it back to the history of the thing. I mean, this is a belt that can be traced all the way back to Lou Fez. This could be, you know, this is 1948, the establishment of the NWA, you know, like this is that championship, at least it's lineage. I mean, um, it goes back forever. I mean, the actual belt itself goes all the way back to like Harley race. And, um, 
it, it's just it's crazy that that this is wrestling started in this lineage of a championship and they treat it that way and they acknowledge that history the good and the bad by the way because i noticed in one of your videos again you you talk a little bit about that ecw situation with shane douglas and, and that sort of thing i mean it's it's like the disrespect that was shown to it at that point um it, it was a heel move because that would work because the nwa title is supposed to be important and mm -hmm. uh so it's uh it's interesting, you know, like, and, and, and it's, it's really cool of Lagana and Billy and those guys to not shy away from covering that they feature Shane Douglas's image, you know, like they, they say like, you know, we, we, this happened, this was a part of the history with this title. And uh, I don't know. I, it's just, it, there's a lot of weight that comes with that. Um, I, I will say I should do this. I had this. I was going to do another video about it later, but Mr. Stinson, who's in the chat, uh, a beautiful man. I don't know if he uh, is still watching. Uh, yeah, I guess he is still out there. He says, reverence. Everyone has a reverence for this title. On the panel that Aldous was on last weekend, this was like a, uh, they did a, a Zoom interview with like the Comic-Con he was supposed to be at in England. Um, he said the moderator... Uh, DDP and Eric Bischoff were also on the panel. Uh, he said the moderator with DDP shaking his head in agreement said, it is the most important title. And uh, he says, it feels like everything Aldis does is important because he makes it important. And uh, Mr. Stinson, I am blessed to say, this is as good a time as any to say that he sent me this in the mail the other day. Uh, an issue from 1982 of The Wrestler with uh, Ric Flair and uh, Tommy Rich right there on the front cover and wow. uh, Ric Flair wearing the 10 pounds of gold and uh, he said uh, he's sending it to me with a mission to complete it because Tommy Rich still signs autographs and so I, it's my mission to uh, find him and make him sign the other side of that magazine uh, that that was supposed to be the uh, the feud of the decade at the time was uh, Wildfire Tommy Rich versus the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Anyway, I just wanted to give a shout out to Mr. Stinson for that. Uh, going back to the show, though, we get an awesome match between Tim Storm and Nick Aldis. Uh, very, very good. I enjoyed it. I, I did not know what to expect. I remember being there live. I am shocked and awed by everything that goes on in that ring because I just don't know what to want, what to think, and what the outcome is going to be. And that's, man, that's good booking, right? Like that's that's what you want. <laughs> I don't I don't know, but uh, unfortunately for Tim Storm, Nick Aldis uh, does come out on top. Uh, Storm ducks a clothesline. Aldis accidentally wipes out Camille, which is a Nice bump from Camille. Storm clobbers him, throws him into the ring, wants a suplex, but Aldis counters with an inside cradle, and that is that. So that's a brief recap of that match. Will, how'd you feel, Nick Aldis, retaining? Oh, so <clears throat> this, was, this was the first match between the two that I saw in its entirety because I had seen highlights in 10 Pounds of Gold. I never yet gone back and watched you know one of the entire matches so 
Oh man, it 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 was so great. I mean, the, the key points for me early on in the match, Tim Storm delivered a chop that literally sent Nick Aldis to the opposite turnbuckle from one corner to the other. Right. I felt I felt that in my soul, like because I already hold Tim Tim Storm in this high regard as like this beast. And I think Cornette kept saying it, but like a tank of a man. I mean, that was the perfect way to describe it. And then just the subtlety too, you know, him him comparing him to a tank. And he was wearing military green tights. And I feel like when he was champion, he always wore white or pink or purple or bright colors. And so it's just like, it was that attention to detail for me that kind of enhanced the story because everything matters, even the color of your tights and your boots and stuff like that. So that's a really good point, man. The match itself was, um, I thought it was great. I mean, when, when Camille took that bump, I don't know if it was the camera angle, but it looked like she was really close to those metal stairs. And I kind of tensed up a little <laughs> bit, um, but luckily she was fine. Um, but I mean, the finish, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know how I would have booked it any differently. Um, I think uh, I think it played out in, in the best way it could to, you know, be the the, the premier main event for, for NWA Power. Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't by any means definitive in my mind, um, where it was like, you know, it was the, the stamp at the end of a feud. I could see it definitely happening. And again, you guys have more context than me because you've seen further, further into the story, but um, just from, from me looking in at this point, um, you know, I, I love the figure four that happened during the match. Oh yeah, good uh, point. Anytime I see a figure four, Obviously, that's going to take me back to Ric Flair and, and, and those uh, those days. And, and so, I mean, yeah, I mean, the match as a whole. And I mean, then, like, I don't know if you remember the, the series. Um, I think it may, may have been close to the end or, or middle end or something like that. But, I mean, Tim Storm did, like, four top rope spots back to back to back. I mean, he did. There was a superplex. Um, and, I, and, and just the superplex, I was like, dude, are you kidding like Tim Storm, Superplex, top rope. Um, but then he like goes right back up to the top rope and does a flying crossbody. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's killing it. And then he, he goes up and attempts a swanton from the top rope. And at this point, like my mind is blown. I'm like, this is a man in his 50s performing at a high level for a, a, a world's championship doing top rope spots, like four in a row, three or four in a row. And I mean, the tide of the match kind of turned right after that, but I felt like even that was just enough to solidify Tim Storm in my mind. Like you said, if this is the last time he ever competes for this title, he was absolutely a worthy opponent. It was not a lopsided match. I mean, he he left it all out there. Um, and I was, I was thoroughly impressed with that. Yeah. Uh, Tim Storm is every bit the man that he seems like. And uh, I, I can't say it uh, enough times just how, how good of a dude he is. Just even meeting him finally, like he just is that genuine. Like just you can tell that there's nothing fake about him, which brings to the next uh, brings us to the next point. I, when when all this leaves, uh, Storm slowly stands up, an NWA chant starts from the crowd, and uh, well, and that's worth saying too. I did want to bring this up. Uh, the crowd being so packed in and like right there on top of the action. Um, 
dude, the crowd wants this to succeed as much as anybody. Like they're, they are there to support, to hate, to whatever. And, uh, and I, and I will, you know, it, as, as we go along, you'll see some things happen with corny, but I, I'll give him credit, uh, where it's due that, um, he would come out there at the beginning of those things during that taping and, and say, look, if you're watching Jimmy Kimmel, uh, if he tells a joke and the audience doesn't laugh, it's not funny for the folks at home either. He's like, you guys are as important as anything else in this show. If something sucks, tell us it sucks. If you love something, make sure we know you love it. Yeah. Like you cannot be quiet you need to express yourselves as loudly as possible. And uh, it, it's, it's something I've always, I, I've taken into my mind that like, that's important to say, like, that's uh he, he makes, you know, like you, he's like, you guys like the, the camera is shining right there on you. So you can't be bored. You have to be excited. So if something's not making you excited, you got to tell us so that we can fix it. And uh and, and, and that's always been a cool thing. But anyway, another aspect of being that uh, close to it is when Camille took that shot from Nick Aldis, I thought she was dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, was I rough, thought she... And, uh, and I even, I think I tweeted that to her. She was just like, another day on the job or something. <laughs> I was like, man, though, he like nailed her. And she just bumped on that that matt down there at the side of the ring and it sounded terrible i was like good god anyway that that that's still in my head is a visual i will never lose is like her taking that shot at ringside uh uh turbo is asking in the chat is the crowd louder than louder live than on the videos in my experience i feel like yes you can hear the crowd like you can literally hear everything the crowd does when you're there in the studio. So uh, some things they don't acknowledge. And uh, I, I'm pretty obnoxious during the show too, because I, I will yell things. And, uh, and I, you know, I think they, they choose what they want to get through. I, I, will, say, Gary, I will say, Gary, it was very distracting once I figured out where you were sitting, um, because then I was just watching you the whole time. I mean. Well, uh, that's called star power, Will. That's I, yeah, called know, star man. power. It's called, it's, called, it's called beard power, man. I was like looking at that beard. I was like doing some comparisons. I was like, man. <laughs> That's very sweet of you. I, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 my wife does that too. She's like, where are we at? Where are we at? We're over here. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we, we, we were there. But anyway, uh, so to, to, to finally get through episode one, Will, because I don't know if you've got other plans, but we're working our way through this thing. Uh, Storm uh, stays in the ring. All this goes over to the interview area. Joe says emotions are running high. It's bittersweet. Uh, and Nick Aldis says the NWA stands for National Wrestling Alliance, but it also stands for never without authenticity. And uh, that's where I was going originally with the Tim Storm thing, because all of him and everything about him is authentic. Nick Aldis is pretty authentic. Like even the confidence that he has, you you get it in person. Like he he just is that guy, and uh, he's willing to say Tim Storms as authentic as they come. He's a hell of a man. Joe turns his attention to Camille and says, uh, "How you feeling after that clothesline?" 
and uh, all the steps in between them and says, she's fine. And Joe keeps trying to like move to Camille and, uh, and all the steps in front of him. It's like, uh, don't take away from this moment. Don't take it away from Tim Storm. Save your clickbait stuff for another day. How about that? And that's kind of how the show ends. Feelings there, Will? Joe, 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 Joe. I mean, come on with that clickbait stuff, man. <laughs> like, you got, you got, you're, you're, you're an Emmy Award winning broadcaster and you let us know it and you're coming out with clickbait. Come on, you know. No, I, I, I thought, it was interesting because this was one of the aspects that I neither loved nor hated um, because on the one hand, like I'm, I'm waiting to see where this goes and we do get into it a lot in episode two. Um, and, and I'm sure, and I have the trust that, you know, this is part of the storyline and it's, it's going somewhere they wouldn't end the episode with that and then have it carry over to episode two. But um it did feel like a little bit of a, of a rough pivot from the incredible match we just saw, potentially Tim Storm's last time, you know, going after the 10 pounds of gold. And that's kind of what we're going to, we're going to leave with. And, um, you know, I, I was glad that Nick did take it and say, Hey, let's not take this moment away from Tim. And it did, you know, that conversation happened, but it did end with, you know, Tim Storm, looking at Nick Aldis from the ring, you know, basically saying, thank you. Um, and then Nick Aldis looking at him with obvious, you know, respect um, in his eyes. And so, uh, you know, that, that was a great, a great way to, to end it. But yeah, the clickbait stuff, I don't know. We'll get into it in episode two, but. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're still good to move on to episode two, Will? Absolutely. Let's do it, man. All right, buddy. Uh, before we get there, I just want to acknowledge in the chat, thanks to everybody who's there. Uh, there is a conversation going about the loud crowd in the studio. Robert Stitz is saying a lot of editing that has to go on because inevitably people shout out inappropriate remarks. Uh, it's super entertaining live, but we have been warned about our remarks. And uh, yeah, uh, that definitely does happen. And some people say some really, there, there's every once in a while, I'll, I'll give the crowd credit every once in a while there's somebody who says something that's just like inappropriate or like you're like this is not gonna be any good like, and I'll, I'll use a, a pg example colt cabana's in the ring and somebody tries to start a cm punk chant or something the crowd generally like jumps right on that they're just like boo shut up shut up everybody just starts telling them to shut up like the crowd's like in it to be excited i was telling somebody the other day that it's a totally different product, but it reminds me so much of like the feeling of watching early ECW too, in a way that like the energy that people are just invested in what is happening in that ring. Like they are just crazy about these people fighting and they want them, you know, to, to compete and, and want to see what happens. And they're just really supportive. Anyway, that would be, uh, it's a weird thing because obviously nobody's uh, crashing through a burning table or anything. But uh, all right, let's move on to episode number two. I just saw Robert says to say, I'll never forget the speech, speech, speech chants after Camille speared Allison K. That's a spoiler, Robert Stinson. Will, yeah, come on, man. Not, Will, Will's only, Will's only like two episodes in. 
All right, so let's move into episode number two. We start off with a recap of the last week. Nick Aldis defeating Tim Storm, Camille being wiped out, Aldis refusing to have her be able to comment on anything. And Marquez introduces a new person to us. It's Aaron Stevens, formerly Damian Sandow from WWE. Uh, Marquez has, uh, says he hasn't been in the squared circle in some time. Uh, Stevens introduces himself and uh, says that in the past few years, he's had a lot of success in film, uh, television, theater, and uh, he, he gets a lot of booze. People are not into Aaron Stevens, uh, but he says he heard the NWA was back and he's a professional wrestling is back. So he's here to announce that he too is back. Stevens says he's broadened his horizons as a performer. He doesn't want anyone to take this personally it's just for him to be able to perform his best. This goes from Marquez, the commentators, referees, wrestlers, and all the fans here. Don't make eye contact with him. <laughs> uh, he, he gets a lot of responses. He says, don't laugh. Uh, he doesn't, he's not there for comedy. He doesn't do that anymore. Uh, he's a serious thespian. Thank you. When asked who he will be facing, he refers to the opponent as his supporting cast. And clearly, judging by the reactions, he's the star. So when he needs a supporting cast member, he'll let them know. Walks away saying, they like me. They really like me. Will, thoughts on Aaron Stevens? Oh, man. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought it was, I thought it was great, personally. I, I loved this uh, iteration of, of his character. And, you know, I, I, you know, he's like, I've had a lot of success. In, in film and theater and I was just thinking has he you know like I didn't know if he was being serious or not <laughs> and, then, and then he said and he, I think he said mainly out west which I think at that moment I knew okay he's a heel like he's in Atlanta GA and he's talking about being a star out west obviously he's a heel um but yeah I mean I thought the no eye contact thing was hilarious and then just how Marquez acted after that I was genuinely trying not to look at him like I I try to think of myself in that position uh, and how hard that would be to 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 pull that off and and not like die of laughter um but we were just talking about the crowd interaction this was the one time that I heard a comment from the crowd when when uh when Aaron turned and said I'm not finished and a guy said that's what she said <laughs> that, was, that was like the one time that it was crystal clear that you know someone in the crowd was saying something and, and the room felt really small but yeah I mean Aaron Stevens I, I you know again I have no context for where this is going as, as you guys do that have watched it um, but I thought this was a, a decent way to, to introduce him to us uh, well it might be long-winded my wife just uh, a, a hashtag Jennifer note uh, I just got was don't be long-winded <laughs> No, no, you're not, man. You're good. This is a oh, conversation. This is, this is how it goes. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah, Jennifer uh, likes to chime in. She she won't show up on the show. She won't like do anything. She'll just send me text messages every once in a while to tell me what she thinks about how the show's going. <laughs> uh, my, my wife sent a couple of emojis in the chat earlier. I don't know if she's still with us, but that's good. I, I mentioned her. I, I, I gave her a shout out when you uh, had to go to the bathroom. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So we're, we're happy to have her drop in. I, I hope to, to, to see her someday once we're able to see people again. Um, when, we're, when we're a tag team, we're going to need some, some valets, some managers, so we'll get them in there. 
Yeah, that's a good idea. Hey, Will, next up on episode number two, uh, this, I'm going to try not to spoil anything by telling you that these are two of my favorite performers in the NWA currently, but uh, you get a match between Trevor Murdoch and Ricky Starks, just like right into it. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good matchup, just like a brawl and uh, Trevor's very rough. Trevor's probably familiar to some WWE slash F fans. Uh, Ricky Starks is a newcomer and um, the uh, Trevor tries to go for a uh, lariat, but Starks counters with a crucifix, rolls him up for the pin and gets the win. And uh Murdoch immediately does stand up, by the way, and shake his hand, say, good job, kid. Wasn't my night. Um, before we get to the Starks interview, what, what were you thinking during this? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the beginning, I think they showed a wide shot of the two of them standing in their corners, and it, it, was, it was a little off-putting, the size and the age difference, just looking at them from that initial wide shot. Um, they made up for it, in my opinion, in the match. Um, so, I mean, I, I thought it was great. I thought, I thought the ending was great. The, the crucifix, I feel like I haven't seen that in a long time. I, I don't know if you have, but that just, I, I've seen it, but it's usually been a, a two count kick out. It hasn't been. Yeah, like same, same. So I thought that was a really, a really nice touch, just reminding us like, hey, these things can finish matches too. Like it's not just finishers that finish matches. So I, I thought that was cool. I definitely thought it was classy. Uh, Murdoch coming over and, and telling him, hey, I just want my night. Congratulations, kid. Um, and yeah, then take us into this, this uh, incredible Ricky Starks promo. Yeah, uh, Starks get, gets interviewed, and uh, he says he's got a lot of goals. He could go for the world's title, national title. Uh, if, but Ricky's all about taking this to another level. He says men call him absolute Ricky Starks. William, women call him stroke daddy. Stark says everyone watching uh, knows that everybody finds him really sexy. He knows Marquez wants to look like him, but he won't hold that against him. He doesn't because God didn't have any beauty left over after he made him. So you can't blame anyone for looking how they do. Ricky's got love for you anyway. Uh, so, yeah, Ricky Stark's a very flamboyant. Did I miss a line that caught your attention or anything there? Well, the closing line where he said, I may something to the effect of I may look funny, but at the end of the day. Oh God. Yeah. Why didn't this guy put that in the outline? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. You may look funny, but at the end of the day, I'm counting your money. That's I'm going to, I'm going to use that in like business meetings and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that'll go over well. Ricky Starks has got swag, son. And uh, as you go forward in the 10 pounds of gold series, uh, he makes his actual debut uh, the first time he wrestles for the NWA is at NWA 70, and they play like a really, really cool video for him. Ricky Starks got the attention of David Legata and Billy Corrigan and Nick Aldis, all of those guys, uh, because he was he was out there hustling, man. He was doing his thing, like wrestling. He was, uh, I, I think, one of his best friends that he wrestles with was Sammy Guevara, who is currently at AEW, uh, MJF, Lakitos, all of those guys. And uh, he was making it and funding his own videos. So just 
Google Ricky Starks or, or look him up on YouTube. And there's plenty of videos that Ricky Starks made of himself with the 1-800 Stark slide and uh, all of that stuff. Like Ricky Starks is legit. And the NWA, you'll come to know values, those that uh, have that hustle behind them. Like they, yeah. that's what they're looking for because they know the NWA is the scrappy underdog. They're, they, they have to have people that are going to bust their tail to get to the top. That's, that's what they want. That's who they're looking for. Ricky Starks is, is definitely one of those guys. So, uh, I, I want to welcome to the chat, by the way, uh, Andrew McKinney is in the chat. Uh, Natalia Martin is in the chat, uh, communicating. Hey, she <laughs> yeah, she's there. She's there. And, uh, so, Hey, what other wrestling podcast has this many women bouncing around in the chat? I don't zero 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 ladies don't show up in other wrestling chats uh andrew mckinney says will by the way you should use as many wrestling quotes as possible in business meetings so it's worked for the rock apparently that guy's that guy's doing okay uh we just watched jumanji 2 the other night yeah that's great he uh danny devito took over his body it's quite the sight to see um galley introduces uh wait no no uh joe galley brings up his tips to interview camille last week galley takes offense to his questions being called clickbait he says sometimes you need to ask tough questions the viewers deserve answers so he's asked for the opportunity to sit down with nick aldis and camille to continue pushing those questions as a fair and balanced broadcast journalist he then introduces colt cabana and uh Kukabana's very exciting. He walks out and literally says, like, this is exciting. And uh, I've, I've heard him in multiple interviews say, like, that was legit. Like, he said that that was the first thing he thought of to say because he walked out and, like, the energy from the crowd when he walked out, he was just like, oh, my God. Like, what's happening here? I believe it, man. It felt really genuine. I, I mean, I smiled. You know, I was just like, "This, you're right. This is exciting. This is great. <laughs> Um, Galley talks about the elephant in the room, James Storm. Cabana acknowledges that Storm, well, spoiler alert, Will, <laughs> Storm took the national championship from him and he took the worst pass while he, uh, he took it while he was down. But look at him now. He says he's here for the championships, whether it's the national championship, the world championship, or the tag team championships, as after all, he is doing tag matches now. People say he doesn't got a guy, but he does got a guy, and his name is Mr. Anderson. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and Mr. Anderson walks out, says he could have picked anybody in the world to uh, be his partner, uh, but he picked this asshole. Says we can be <laughs> like everyone else and talk about how big we are and how bad we are, but at the end of the day, you know, they, they know. He welcomes the world to the team of Mr. Cabana and Mr. Anderson, the repeats of the last names and uh and uh, i think cabana actually like i think mr cabana happened and anderson said it and then uh he said mr anderson and then uh colt said cabana yeah it was really <laughs> awkward <laughs> yeah <laughs> he seemed lost uh i i yeah i i will say i i think i mean from everybody i talked to they say it's legit you walk out there. They tell you, uh, which is something that's been missing from wrestling again, but they say, like, 
these are the points you got to get across. Have at it. <laughs> like they just trust you to get there. They say they don't even live at you all the time. They're just like, don't be ridiculous. Go out there and do what you got to do. Uh, what, what did you think about Cole Cabana and, and Mr. Anderson? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, just, just like you said, I mean, just, I, I could tell that was his genuine reaction and you, you telling me that just now I hadn't heard that about, um, you know, they're not being these scripting limitations on them. Um, but I, you know, now that I know that looking back on what I've seen so far, like it's obvious. I mean, these guys, they're allowed to go out there and be themselves. Obviously it's pre-recorded. They can edit it if they want to. Um, I did notice specifically in that one, there was a, an edit. So you know better what happened during that part. Um, I think it was right after uh, the asshole line and it kind of cut and, uh, you know, Ken Anderson had a completely different facial expression. So I was like, I wonder <laughs> what happened there. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember. I, I imagine it was probably leaked. It was probably just like the amount of time they went. They were like, let's turn this down a little bit. Could have been a crowd. Maybe the crowd reacted for a long time and they just had to had to cut that out for some reason. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I thought it, it was it was really funny. Uh, I, I loved I kind of laughed when, you know, Colt Cabana's like, I got a guy. I got a guy. Yeah, it's just like his character <laughs> when he was doing that, because I haven't really been exposed that much to him um, as a primarily you know WWE fan. For the year, for over the years, so I've heard of him a lot in relation, obviously, to CM Punk. But um, this is kind of the first real exposure I've had to him. So I appreciated his character. I appreciated um, just his 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 demeanor and and uh, his his humorous uh, take on that promo. I thought I thought was interesting. Yeah, uh, you know the thing is, is uh, I, I forget who said this, and I, I think it might have been Lagana. Um, when I was talking to him one time and I feel like I'm like name dropping and I'm not trying to, I'm just saying like, I'm, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was Tim who said, sometimes the NWA is like the Island of misfit toys. Uh, it, it just, you know, the thing is, is like, you could try to go out there and you could try to, uh, you, you're obviously not going to have the big budget stuff like the WWE. You can't uh, put on the production value that they put on and the best wrestling in the world. That's tough to do too, because they get bought up by either WWE to put them in NXT or somewhere or now AEW or new Japan and that sort of thing. Like it, uh, again, NWA is the scrappy underdog. What can you go off of? And it's these characters. It's these people that can get themselves over by talking to you, like uh, trying to relate on the microphone. And they can go in there and they can put on a match. And some of them are really good. Some of them are people that were overlooked, uh, that sort of thing. But a lot of them are going to be these people like Colt Cabana, uh, which Colt Cabana is very good. So that's, again, I'm not knocking anybody here, but you know, it's just random seeing like a guy like Mr. Anderson walk out. You remember from WWE as Mr. Kennedy, and uh, you've kind of seen that happen. Trevor Murdoch rolling out there, just a big, tough redneck that's, uh, you know, formerly a WWE superstar. It's these guys that haven't quite given up yet that are still out there. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'll, and I'll say this too. I mean, like I said earlier, a lot of this is going to tie back into nostalgia for me and my childhood, but like, to me, that's a lost art in wrestling federations because 
you know, you look back on when I first started watching wrestling in WCW, I mean, you had the whole array of characters. You had the cartoony guys. You had the guys with face paint. You had the the crazy loose screw guys like you know, Mick Foley, Cactus Jack back in the day. You had the, the cowboys. You had, and all of these guys were in the same organization and they were chasing after the same top prize. And it, it wasn't, unbelievable and I feel like now we've been conditioned to think that that's random and weird and, and should be unbelievable but that makes sense I mean you've got you know you, you talk about the island of misfit toys I mean to me it's just a, you know a, a nice healthy like spread of talent of 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 characters of people that um, can really hit home for everyone and like and that's the thing is like you know I mentioned this in one of my videos but I definitely have a preference for the the kind of wrestler I like, but that doesn't mean I don't mind the other guys. And I think I need that contrast to really make because I mean, if you got if you've got an organization full of Trevor Murdoch's and you know the, these bigger guys and uh, Tim Storm, if everyone looked like Tim Storm and and those guys, like it'd be super boring. You know, you got to have some juxtaposition there of these guys like Colt Cabana and like this match, you know, I don't know if you're going to get into the details of this match, but one of my favorite parts that I laugh at so much came from this match and it was Sauronaro coincidentally, because I mean, <laughs> we talk about being cartoony. I mean, he got, he got knocked down and he got back up and he literally just looked at Colt Cabana and said, why I oughta. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it, it was such a cartoon in real life moment for me that I mean I laughed out loud and I thought oh this is so like this is what's missing in wrestling being able to have a why I ought to cartoon moment you know I could almost hear the sound effects in my head the boing you know it's cartoon roadrunner sound effects to go from a moment like that to eventually you know something as intense as uh, you know Nick Aldis and Tim Storm I know that was the episode before but to have all of this happening in the same um same you know uh, promo promotion was just uh, that's cool to me and that keeps me keeps me invested because I know there's something for everyone there's something for me um, and so that's that's my spiel about why variety in wrestling is good so so you're okay with uh like uh, comedy wrestling and that sort of thing too huh absolutely I mean obviously there's there's a limit to it I mean if it gets so ridiculous that you know it's I don't, I don't know, offensive or, uh, I mean, obviously anything that belittles or demeans, you know, a, a certain type of person or something like that, to me, I'm not okay with. But, you know, the cartoony kind of stuff, like, I, I'm totally fine with that as long as, and I mean, it, it wasn't, it, it was definitely prevalent throughout the whole match, but it wasn't the main idea of the match. I mean, these guys are legit performers. They didn't just go out there and run around doing this for you know five minutes and then one of them fell over like it, they had a legit wrestling match so you know as long as you can do that in there tastefully uh, you know i like it yeah I, i'm always with that with like colt cabana uh recently the nwa on tuesday night uh th during this quarantine they've been reposting a lot of stuff from the 10 pounds of gold series and and that sort of thing uh they revisited uh the feud between uh you're, you're gonna get there i think i don't think it's happened yet no because because 
anyway, sorry, sorry. I'm trying to place where you're at on everything, but uh, Colt is going to show up early on in the 10 pounds of gold series. And he has to pee with Nick Aldis and, uh, and Colt is actually a former NWA world's heavyweight champion. And people like when I was hanging out in the live chat on Tuesday night, where they were revisiting some of this, they, they went into China and uh, this was the first time that a, a, a championship had been defended in China, apparently. And uh, people were like, hey, Colt's a comedy guy though. Like why? Blah, blah, blah. And, um, but Colt's, Colt's good, man. Like Colt's legitimately a good wrestler. Like he is, he, he does do what he can do. And I was trying to say to these people in the chat as much as you could try to convince anybody on the internet, but that, you know, Colt is a guy that in WWE would have just been a jobber and, that was for like a brief period of his time, but he found something he's good at and went off and did it. And that's another dude with the hustle. In fact, he is probably, you know, arguably the most successful or one of the most successful independent wrestlers ever. Like this guy, people know who Colt Cabana is. And he, you know, until just recently is not even like with major companies. Uh, and, and he, uh, for what it's worth, I think one of the big things he did back in the day was the Wrestling Road Diaries. Yep. And uh, he did wrestling podcasts before wrestling podcasts were a thing. And on the Wrestling Road Diaries, those were done with Daniel Bryan and Sal Renaro was on there. Really? So, okay. Yeah. So you could. I don't know Sal was on there. I'm, I'm into yeah, it. Yeah, if you go back, uh, he still sells those DVDs at his uh, table for merch and stuff. But yeah, Sal is Sal is in there. Like he is one of their friends. And uh, so, so that that moment you mentioned, I, I'm sure that there's just like this chemistry they just have because they've known each other for a very long time. And anyway, but uh, Colt Cabana and Mr. Anderson beat beat the hell out of Sal Renaro and. Uh, Jordan Kingsley was the other poor gentleman's name. Yeah, here's here's the only other thing I'll say about the, uh, I just had this thought about the cartoonish stuff. You know, I think wrestling, like any other form of entertainment, I mean, it's escapism for us, right? It's an escape from real life. And, and you don't want it all to be so tense that, you know, your real life is less stressful. So you want to have those like moments of escape. So I think for me, that's really the value in a Colt Cabana or, a, you know, a why I ought a moment because it just really gave me a break. And I mean, I'm sitting here watching this from, from quarantine 2020 and it was just a great laugh. I mean, everybody, everybody needs that, you know? So I think, I think that's a problem with mainstream wrestling right now is that it just takes itself too seriously to an extent. And when it, when it tries not to, it doesn't know how to be funny, almost like, it's almost like, you know, the awkward person who, you know, they want to be funny, but they just don't know how. Um, but like NWA and these guys who have been doing this for so many years, they know how to be funny. They know how to entertain a crowd because they haven't been doing this for massive TV audiences and doing scripted stuff. They've been doing this on their own. And to your point earlier about the crowd, I mean, the crowd's going to let you know what works and what doesn't. So if they're still doing it, obviously it's something that's worked at some point. And so it's kind of a proven uh, method. So I, I just, you know, not to beat a dead horse about that, but I think, I think it's, I think it's valuable. No, I, I think you're a hundred percent right. And, uh, uh, you know, that 
we appreciate everybody sticking with us. And uh, sorry, this was this is a long episode, so I, I know we're going through two two whole episodes here. But no, you, you make an excellent point. Uh, I, I just said that to preface, so I could say that Mr. Stinson, who's in the chat right now, he uh, this this topic you're talking about is something I've wrestled with constantly because. Sometimes I want to be like, oh, I hate comedy wrestling. And sometimes I'm like, nah, it's fun. And uh, there's a character that's going to show up later in the NWA that is very much like kind of a comedic character that people love. And he has a following. And Mr. Stinson and his whole family showed up dressed as these characters. And it wasn't until I saw them live at the event with he and his wife and his two daughters like very young daughters like all dressed up like celebrating these characters that i was like all right all right like i get it <laughs> you know i get it i could go back to when i loved the bushwhackers or like whoever else you know like it's it's fine it's fine you just gotta accept these things uh speaking of weird and funny though the next thing that happens uh well, first of all, you get a little segment with uh, Aldis in the parking lot complaining about the uh, questions, so you get a little teaser there. And uh, but then you go to uh, there's a Tony Falk. Uh, I taught Sean Michaels how to speak kids already. He became fond of two things: waffles and tire irons. So I opened my old store, Tony Falk's Waffles and Tire Irons. He paints some gold, man. He paints some gold. <laughs> and yeah, I wonder, gold. and I wonder if it's the same gold as those tag belts, because man, that would be. I'd get a tire iron that it was that gold. That is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, you also get to see an Eddie Kingston promo again uh, on the wild cards. Uh, he, he says uh, he, he's backstage with Kyle. This is the part you were talking about. I, I, It's so cool to me to talk to you watching these for the first time because you, you reference things that are things that like also stood out to me. So I feel like we're just, we're just bonding. Um, I watched this Eddie Kingston promo. I swear to God, I watched it like 10, 12 times the first time. Like, I just that's, could that's, not that's crazy. get over. I, I watched it multiple times also. It was one of the only things that I uh, rewatched as I was going through these because I was trying to go through them not really fast, but I wanted to like take in as much as I could. But that just, I, something about it, man, like I felt his rage in a way that like I don't feel it from a lot of other guys it's not like Kyle's trying to approach this as like the standard interview and like Eddie just busts in with like let me speak let me yeah. speak huh let me you know like that that like and the fact that he like got so close into the camera like that it couldn't even focus on him and you know they didn't say, okay, go redo that because it was out of focus. Like to me, and I don't know, I, I don't know the behind the scenes stuff, but I felt like, again, that was real. And they were just like, well, we can't go back and redo it because we just captured the perfect, you know, uh, him being himself. So it's just going to be blurry and the fans are just going to have to be okay with it. And I, I just thought that was, that was great. I mean, I felt, I felt the rage. I was like a little bit nervous. That's why, and that's funny. So I mentioned Kyle, I don't remember his last name, but like, that's why he stood out to me. Cause I watched that a couple of times and I was just like, oh, poor Kyle. Like, oh man, he was, <laughs> he was not prepared for that. I didn't poor that. Kyle Davis, uh, Kyle Davis is his name. And he's trying to like, just take all this job. Like, here's my, here's my way in. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna 
interview these guys in the backstage and Eddie Kingston just freaking lays it out right there. And Eddie Kingston has no time. Uh, I mean, he, he, everything he says, like you just believe him. Like yep. Eddie Kingston is the most believable dude. Like it's the, he's like the wild cards or the tag team champions. That makes you something. But to me, it's nothing. And uh, you know, you got nothing for me. Like homicide's a man I die for, uh, and you aren't anything until you beat the god homicide or the king of New York or whatever he says. Like it, Eddie Kingston, like just lays into it. Like he he's just he's authentic again. That word authentic. Like Eddie Kingston, he seems like he's just that dude. Like it just. He gets passionate about something. He's on it, and he will fight you for it. And uh, I, I love that about Eddie Kingston. And, I mean, keep in mind, we're seeing this fresh off the heels of the cartoon match and a, a Nick Aldis TMZ-like kind of funny, not funny, but, you know, off-the-wall kind of spot. So I think, you know, it was no, no accident where it was positioned to have that kind of effect. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. I do like you you mentioned that a lot because I don't think that's something that I've, I've had come up in conversation before. Just uh, the the balancing act they're playing with like the comedy stuff and then going into the very serious stuff. Uh, also, now in episode two, we get our first glimpse of the women's division in NWA Power. We jump right into Ashley Box versus Allison K, the NWA Women's World Champion. And uh, they have a, a nice little match there. Uh, Ashley, of course, falling prey to uh, Allison K. And uh, uh, she goes right for They ask her, they're like, well, you, you handpicked this opponent. Why did you pick this opponent? And uh, K says, this is a new era. This is the NWA. We're hungry. And uh, she invites Ashley over to stand with her and uh, says, you did good, kid. Your good wasn't good enough, but I'm happy you're here on this roster. Uh, your future's bright, just not with my title. Not right now. Kay declares that the NWA Women's Division is going to be in good hands. What did you think about uh, your first clips of the NWA Women's Division? It, it was interesting, man. I, I particularly like the the reverse pile driver or whatever the, the finisher was um, there. I thought that was really cool. I don't see that a lot, especially in women's division wrestling. So I thought that was pretty intense. Um, I love the post-match promo. I, again, I thought that um, that kind of sportsmanship, even in a heelish way, is really valuable in the NWA because it's unique to the NWA. You don't see that anywhere else. You don't see the heel getting on the mic and saying, hey, you know, I, I, I beat you, but, you know, you put up a hell of a fight. Like, you don't see that. And so that's another thing that makes it feel more real. I don't feel like I have to like that person after that necessarily. But, um, and then I also like, I don't think we've mentioned this yet, but, you know, they were very specific. This was a non-title match. And I, I like that because subconsciously it puts an idea in my head that the champion may not win because for them to put that stipulation on it's just like a subconscious thing that makes makes me give the challenger a little more um 
not credibility, but like I, I start to believe maybe the champion's not going to win because why else would they say that if she's just going to, you know? Because I mean, we're all adults here. We know this is this is scripted. It's it's the the ending is decided. But like, you know, I, I just love that touch because it's just another kind of subconscious like thing that they plant in my mind. It's like, oh, this is a non-title match, and so at various points during the match, uh, you know, as Ashley Vox is getting in some really good offense, I'm like, whoa, she might come out with the win here so I don't I don't know if you have any thoughts on that well no I, I was literally like as you're saying that I was like oh my god that's another great point um you know the, what it makes me think of is that in WWE like growing up watching it I typically took that as the opponent uh, the challenger is going to win yeah because it sets up the pay-per-view match or whatever you know like it's just that easy but these are things and I'm uh, I'll say this, and this is not for me initially, but I, I love wrestling podcasts. And so like listening to guys like JR, and then I'll listen to even uh, sometimes the observer with Dave Meltzer, like Wade Keller of pro wrestling torch. And they'll talk about past wrestling and like tactics they use that somehow got lost along the way. And uh, this is a, a perfect example of one of them is these like non-title matches. Another example being uh, time limits. And uh, it's something that AEW has put into practice, I will say, but NWA is going to be using that too. And uh, technically before a AEW got started. Uh, so you'll, you'll see like that kind of thing in play. Like Jim Ross used to talk about it all the time on his podcast. I remember just like, why are there not time limits yeah. like that just that gives you like one extra element of like something to worry about <laughs> like it's just yeah. like you got to beat this guy well, <laughs> you have to beat him yeah and it's like you know i i know that we're in you know the reality era or whatever um where you know we understand how the business works and we understand as i said that it's scripted and there's creative process at work but like why just throw all that out when that was something that really helped contribute to to that feeling of authenticity like are you going to go through a movie script and throw out half the script because oh these people know it's a movie like no you're going to keep it in there because it's part of the story and so part of the story is this match can only go as long as tv time has for it because this is a tv show so you know, to me, that's almost more real to, to acknowledge that. Like, hey, this, we're filming a TV show. We got 20 minutes left. This is a 20-minute match. Go at it, you know? Yeah, no, no perfect. I mean, that they're all, like, little little details that, like, it, it just, I don't know, man. It all faded away. But, but yeah, this is the perfect example. Allison Kay, like, fighting with a non-title match. Allison Kay, of course, still gets the win. And, uh, yeah, Allison Kay, uh, Props to her. She she is another wrestler that has been all over the place. Like she has, uh, she's traveled to so many women's divisions. She's been over in Japan. She's come over here and done TNA, Impact, all of that stuff. But uh, she's finally found a, a good spot. Um, all right, what's next for us? Uh, we see Kyle Davis trying to get a word from Tim Storm. Uh, Storm says he can't respond. We'll, we'll talk to him next week, he says. Uh, Galley introduces James Storm. Storm whips the mic from him and threatens to smack him. James says he doesn't get announced as champ. He's James Storm. 
to him, the title he has is the national championship, but it's also a prop, a fast lane to get him where he belongs, which is the 10 pounds of gold. Uh, and now that Tim Storm is out of the way, that leaves James Storm. He says that unlike a lot of those little boys, by the way, you would not have this in WWE because how many, how, I feel like Vince would just be so against you having so many people named Storm. Like it would just be like, people can't wrap their brains around that, pal. Like you can't, yeah, you can't do that. You're now called uh, the James Experiment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, James Storm says, I love, uh, I like a lot of these little boys out here. Uh, he's a grown ass man. Uh, he's James Mother F and Storm. Uh, he says, uh, he starts to give a, his catchphrase. Uh, I think he's sorry about your damn luck, but Eli Drake emerges and uh, says he's not dressed to fight. And clearly, James is dressed to uh, go to a stagecoach festival or something. Drake tells him not to minimize what he's done. Carrying that title is a big deal. It's a big deal because it means he is first in line. That national title means you are the number one contender. And uh, says uh, maybe Aldis is ducking James Storm. Maybe Aldis is ducking Eli Drake. But he says, you are the man next in line. Don't waste this time. Make the move. Take the shot. But after you do, make sure you remember me. Win, lose, or draw. If you pick up that 10 pounds of gold, Eli Drake's your boy. And uh, that's that's kind of how that segment goes. It's a, a little convoluted, I think, uh, in this one, I will say. But uh, go ahead, Will, your thoughts. This um, this completely, and everything I'm about to say, I mean in a good way, but it melted my brain and it made, it made me question everything I thought I knew about wrestling and yeah that sounds a little dramatic from this promo but there was something very deep in my brain that was knocked rattled loose during this and that was this idea that we are now allowed to acknowledge that titles are tiered and that there is a mid-card title and that is a stepping stone to again the prestigious world's heavyweight championship because again they're appealing to my sense of reality here in that yeah it's great to be the national champion but you obviously want to be the world's champion that's that's the prize that's the mountaintop and so at first I was a little bit um, taken aback that James I felt like James Storm was disrespecting you know quote unquote the title um, but then again like like I said, like my brain just as it processed it, it was like, oh, whoa, this is this is how it should be because it is it is a stepping stone. I'm not taking away any any prestige or anything from that national title. But guys, we can all admit it's not the world's title. It doesn't have the same the same reverence as as you guys talked about in the chat. It doesn't have the same, you know, mystique and aura about it that the 10 pounds of gold has. So why would we sit here like we often do in other in other promotions and try to act like all these titles are somehow all like little islands and they're all special in their own right? I mean, I think it was most recently AJ Styles was the US champion in WWE and he tried he literally tried to come out and talk about 
the fact that the U.S. championship, the U.S. title, was now the title in the WWE because he had it. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, you're never going to convince me of that. Like, you're never going to convince me that it's the same as the world title. It's the same situation here, but the NWA is just choosing to acknowledge it. And I appreciate that at the end of the day. Well, it's, it's this weird thing of like, I remember, I mean, even as a WWE fan, I mean, one of the big things always was, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I definitely got this sense. Um, back when, God, when I was coming up, like when it was like Ultimate Warrior, or like Ravishing Rick Rude or, or uh, Mr. Perfect or whoever else, it was like the Intercontinental title was, the Intercontinental title was cool as hell, man. Like I loved the Intercontinental title because it was like, uh, I think I've heard Stone Cold on his podcast call. It was like, it, that's the worker's belt. Uh, you know, aside from probably Ultimate Warrior, but like it's like that's the worker's belt. Like the those are the guys. Like they're busting their ass day in day out. Like they carry everything, and that's fine. You can appreciate that. But the Intercontinental title felt like it was important because once you got that, that meant you were like that step closer. Now you were main event. Now you were like walking into that new territory. You know, like a lot of people fought for the Intercontinental title, but if you got it, you were taking a step up. And yeah. uh, that's what the national title should feel like to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm, I am 100% with you. The Intercontinental, the, the actual belt is probably my favorite WWE belt of all time. Just the, the, the way it looks and the fact that all of those people that you just named, I, I picture them when I think of that belt. Um, and, and I've heard that as well, that it's, it was... It was the worker's belt, uh, the person who was the best in-ring, you know, performer at the time, but it was a stepping stone. And you look at most of these guys, like Stone Cold came up through there, I think The Rock, um, guys like that that came, came down that path from Intercontinental to eventually being big stars as world champions. Um, but think about the guys that didn't. And how much more real would it be you know, for Mr. Perfect to come out and acknowledge like, hey, I'm the Intercontinental Champion, but I'm ready to be the star. You know, I'm ready to be the guy, you know, not just a guy with the worker's belt, you know? And so I just, I just, again, like, I, I thought that was really cool that they just full on episode one, they're just going to acknowledge that and not, not see it as degrading one of their championships. I, I totally agree with you. I, I you know, I, I don't think I even put it into that perspective at the time, but but you're 100% right. Just like I was even making the comment about the uh, names. This is this is another big deal. I don't think that uh, that's something you're, you're expecting in wrestling today that they, they acknowledge like this. This is the, the level up like this is the mushroom and Mario. <laughs> it's like you're growing now like you're 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 up into this next level now and so eli drake's like all right well don't diminish this title just because you want the 10 pounds so much this is your ticket buddy you get there and uh i support you but remember your boy when you get up there um that's an that's an interesting concept um all right let's move on into the next part the uh tag team championships uh the wild cards defend against Eddie Kingston in the homicide. Nice little match here. Uh, and, uh, but this one ends in a, uh, it's the first uh, kerfluffle match, I will say, that we've seen on NWA Power. 
uh, and uh, you get a uh, uh, Dawson's hit the ring and they give a low blow to Kingston. Homicide's tossed into the steps. Anyway, it's a DQ. Uh, any uh, the the Dawson's end up, end up brutalizing both teams. I think in this one, and uh, they clear the ring, stand tall, and uh, they're looking at the cameras like, "Is everybody watching this?" Uh, Will, do you have any thoughts on that uh, tag team competition there? They were after their lunch money, man. You got after all four of them. <laughs> the, those <laughs> damn Dawson's. They let me tell you something, Will. Those guys are intimidating uh seeing them in person because i i have a big mouth and i was yelling and i would always be like we hate you you damn dawson's we hate you and they'd be like we're gonna kill you yeah <laughs> like they're <laughs> they're I, I believe, they're very intimidating yeah no i mean my thoughts uh from this match were um there, there was one subtle thing i remember that uh, I did appreciate, and I think it was uh, Royce Isaacs rolling Homicide away from the ropes before he attempted a pin. That was just another thing. I feel like I don't see it like that awareness that I think he, he had him down, but he was right beside the ropes. And so he kind of pulled him back and rolled him over a couple of times and then tried to pin him. I was just like, duh, like it's brilliant, you know. Um, but, I, you know, those guys are all incredible athletes in the ring. So the match itself was really nonstop action. Not, I'm not a big fan of run-ins, not because I'm opposed to them. They're just overdone the past four years in WWE. And so I, I've come to expect them almost. So, you know, it was the first one that I had seen. And I personally don't feel like it was wasted. Um, I feel like a storyline was furthered. It wasn't, you know, again, when I see WWE and these other organizations using this, it's usually because they don't want to have to declare a winner or they want to save something for the pay-per-view. I didn't sense that in this moment. I kind of sense that it's furthering a, a better, bigger and better storyline. So, you know, ultimately I was okay with it. It's cool to see you like already have that opinion uh, about it because I know how hard it must be. Um, like coming from WWE, it makes a uh, perfect sense that uh that you know in wwe you're like so ingrained with these ideas and one of them being that uh run-ins are just going to be part of it like if they announce some big match for monday night raw like uh, something stupid is gonna happen you know uh to hear you say that that still you're you're giving faith to the nwa that that if they do a thing like a run-in, they obviously have some further plan for what that means. Uh, they're, they're thinking outside of that week. It, WWE definitely, dude, I mean, like the, the last times I've watched it, it still seemed like it was the same old, same old. Like they just feel like they've got to make a match and then they're like, oh, dude, we made this match and now the pay-per-view, we're thinking of this thing. How do we get out of that? And so that they... I mean, for me, for me, it's all about trust, man. I, I have, and and again, just one one last plug for for my YouTube channel, but go watch those first two videos and specifically this last one where I get into ten pounds of gold, and you'll see exactly why I went from not really knowing anything about NWA to to almost fully trusting them just just through the first ten episodes of ten pounds of gold because I believe in my heart that these guys know pro wrestling. Um, that the talent that they have are authentic pro wrestlers 
um, and that the, the people that are, are doing the booking and making, making the decisions from, from Billy Corgan all the way down are educated and experienced, knowledgeable, I trust them. And so when, when you have that kind of trust in an organization, even after the limited experience I have with them, you can look at stuff like that in a different light. You know, the other side of the coin, uh, the, there's the WWE who has squandered every ounce of my trust over the past few years. And I'm, I'm not even gonna begin to list out why, um, but you know, when a run-in happens on WWE, I assume the worst, but you know, the NWA has, has proven to me um, that they're trustworthy. And because of that, these things can be used and can actually benefit, you know, the bigger story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, well, we're just going to go ahead and jump into the uh, uh, next part of this, just so to wrap up the recap portion of this. Uh, uh, we, we get to sit down with Gally and uh, Aldis and Camille. I'm just going to read what uh, what this guy says. Uh, he says, uh, Gally asks what's going through his mind after this defeat of Tim Storm. Aldis says, it's no secret that when you are the world champion, you get to hold a little power and have a little say. And he says that if he's going to be the real world's champion, let's put all the pressure on episode one and make it happen. I don't know if this makes any sense to me. He says he feels like he's been in a car wreck. Everything he says about Storm is true. He is a real man. He says Tim is obviously not necessarily at his peak, but there's a lot to be said about what he brings to the table. If it's his last chance he gets, he can hold his head high. Galley asks why he needs Camille at ringside for him. Aldis starts to get upset. Asking who he thinks he is. Aldis reminds us of what happened at All In, where he lost the ch world championship to an inferior athlete because of an outside interference and a crooked referee. He decided to even the odds with an insurance policy, and it just so happened to work out perfectly. He says when people are gunning for you, you could use that insurance. Points out that aside from neutralizing the likes of Brandy Rhodes, she has never helped him illegally win a match, and Aldis even prevented her from interfering with his match in, with Marty Skrull spoiler alert will says that she does her job better than anyone galley turns to camille and says well then what's in it for you to be his insurance policy she does not respond joe says the whole world wants to hear your thoughts now is your opportunity on nwa power do you have anything to say for your fans who want to support you nothing Aldous menaces. He doesn't want to hear another word about not letting her speak. They make their leave, and that wraps the show. Any thoughts here, Will? Uh, you know, I, I, you know this 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 is great because this is literally as far as I've gotten. Um, I've watched the first two episodes, so this is where I'm at. Um, so I don't know what happens in episode three. Um, again, I'm trusting that it is going to turn into a bigger storyline. Um, I also do know, just because I follow you on Twitter and various other people, that, you know, Camille, I think, recently debuted in the ring for NWA, correct? So I'm, I'm That is correct, yes. So, you know, don't worry about spoiling that for me. But so I know that that as a, as a character, she's going to progress, which that obviously gives me hope for where this is going. Um, but, you know, I, I, 
I'm torn about the fact that this would end the show. Uh, I almost, you know, again, if I if I was booking it, which I'm not, I'm not qualified to. I don't have that job, but I may have put it at a different point in the show. But then, what are you in the show with? I mean, again, you, he's not he's not wrestling on the show, but you're still ending the show with the champion at the center. So there is some some psychological positives that come with doing that, even though it wasn't like a big exciting finish or a match or anything like that. So, you know, it is what it is at this point, and I'm not any uh, less invested in it because of it. I'm just really now anxious to watch episode three, and I don't have to wait a week. I can literally just watch it when we're done here, so. Yeah, you can. Uh, I mean, I, I would say this about it. I mean, one thing that's cool about it as far as the main event wrestling match you got was the tag team match. And uh, I think that's cool. Um, I, I agree with you. Yeah, they did end on this like soap opera thing. And if uh, you listen to Lagana a little bit, like he felt like the Camille thing was taking off a little bit better than they expected. The crowd also influenced that. So they decided to, uh, to uh, develop that a little bit more. Um, but, you know... <laughs> man we've been doing this thing on the twitter i don't know if you've seen it but like on the this is the nwa twitter we do these cast broadcasts and uh i'll say this here but like you're it's it's probably not cool with everybody but like i'll tell you go to the network and pull up a an old nwa pay-per-view and i'll broadcast it on cast and we have a chat room just like we have here right now by the way thank you everybody for being here um they um We'll, we'll broad, I'll broadcast a old NWA pay-per-view and uh, you could have a chat room and chat it out and stuff like that. It's amazing to me in the old NWA pay-per-views that we've watched so far, how many matches are tag matches? Like, it's insane. Like, yeah. it, tag matches were where it was at. Like, in the 80s, like, I mean, in Starcade 88, literally... Uh, a th- two-thirds of the 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 pay-per-view were like tag team matches like it was it was just all tag matches it was incredible but uh so anyway it was cool to me in an era where tag matches like vince it felt like for a while uh I, I'm, I'm not gonna shy away from talking about them like wwe annoyed the, the hell out of me like they i i hated them after not this last WrestleMania, but the WrestleMania before when I felt like they just didn't trust Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey to just main event a pay-per-view. And they were like, oh, we'll do all this other stuff and then we'll throw in Charlotte and then we'll, you know, it just, anyway. Long story short, to me, like he had killed tag team wrestling. He tried. And now like to see like a place like this be like, well, your main event match is the tag team title match. That's the, the one we're going to push that that's cool to me like make those titles matter and every tv show doesn't have to have like the world champion doesn't have to wrestle on every show the world champion wrestles when it's important you know that's that's kind of how i feel about what the nwa is doing like it's like you may see nick aldis nick aldis does not have to step in the ring every week like that's Nick Aldis wrestles because Nick Aldis matters. And uh, 
and we can also address our our chat room here too we got a lot of stuff going on there but uh uh will any any final thoughts about episode two there uh, not about the episode itself uh but i wholeheartedly agree with you i am a tag team uh fan i could i mean i i could if you if you had a pay-per-view and you said this is going to be all tag team matches, I'd still watch it every second of it because that, I mean, to me, that's, that is what I grew up with. And there's no, I, I don't, I don't understand. I do understand. I mean, I understand the mentality behind wanting to push singles matches and things like that. And, and obviously singles titles and the world title, but to me, tag team wrestling is foundational to professional wrestling. You can't, you, they, those can't exist separately. And somebody said in the chat a few minutes ago, you know, make sure to differentiate between sports entertainment and professional wrestling. That's exactly the point um, that in sports entertainment, tag team wrestling doesn't make much sense because you don't have the hero standing alone at the end with the belt. You've, you've got a team, which it's not, you know, so I, I think that's the difference. I mean, in professional wrestling, tag team wrestling is, is prominent. It can be front and center. It can main event a pay-per-view. It can, as you said, be 50 to 60% of a pay-per-view's matches and still be interesting because these guys know how to work together. They know how to, how to perform. And um, so I, yeah, I, I could, I could sit here and talk about tag teams all day. Maybe we should schedule a, a chat where we just talk about tag teams because i can uh, well i was just literally having the same idea will uh i see wwe front row in the uh chat uh saying that seeing the formation of the wild cards at the crockett cup and how they've gelled on power has been really special uh i i 100 agree with that um i was there at the crockett cup in concord north carolina um and i'm with will i love tag team wrestling i also apparently these don't sell tickets as much or get ratings but i love tournaments so i love tournaments and i love tag team wrestling crockett cup is literally the perfect pay-per-view to me like i i think it's amazing just a tag team tournament to win a cup like who are the best tag teams anybody from anywhere come along bring your tag team let's see if you're that good uh so the, the wild cards, uh, I met them there and uh, was stunned. I met them before the pay-per-view and then to see how well they performed in the pay-per-view, it was, it was quite the feat. So uh, I, I think Will and I should review the Crockett Cup at some point. Because, oh, I would love that. Hey, who's, who's your favorite tag team of all time? Not to put you oh, on the spot. Oh, man. Well, here's the thing. No, this is a good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the, 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 the tag team that people will call BS on this, but Heart Foundation got me into tag team wrestling. Heart Foundation was like an, initially my favorite tag team of all time. Um, nowadays, I don't know. I mean, they'd still be up there. Um, but I did watch Starcade 88 and the original Midnight Express fault, the new Midnight Express. Bobby Eaton and Sweet Stan Lane, they're pretty freaking awesome. They really are. It's no joke. Like, those guys are good. Um, I don't know. I've, I've loved a lot of tag teams in my day, Will. That's a that's a tough question. Um, it's, it's a tough one. I You know, I don't know if I, I have an answer. As soon as I asked that, I was like, oh, 
God, if you ask me, I don't know. I don't know. There's been days I've been excited about the Road Warriors. Like, yeah. there's been days, like, I, I mean, Midnight Express, the Road Warriors, dude, you're coming up on some good stuff at NWA Power. The Rock and Roll Express, who have been around for forever, are still fun as hell to watch. Like, they're, they're, they're good, man. For me, Ole and Arn Anderson, I mean, Arn Anderson's my, my all time fave. And, he 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 was so versatile, you know, as a singles competitor and a tag a tag team. So they'll always have a special place in my heart. Um, Let's have them in the live chat too. By the way, we're 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 through the recap. So, but yeah, go ahead, Will. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to say, yeah, yeah. Let let us know you guys' favorite tag teams. I'd love to hear. Uh, are they? Yeah, Midnight's fabulous Freebirds. I mean, yeah, I you know the Steiner brothers. Like stuff. I mean, this that was like the heyday of of wrestling for me when I was a kid, and like tag team wrestling was front and center for that. So I can't, I can't forsake that. I can't, you know, that that's as I said, foundational for me. Um, I, speaking of the Steiners, just real quick, uh, on Starcade '88, one of the matches was for the television title. Rick Steiner defeated Mike Rotunda. People. Uh, a, a lot of newer people will probably know him as IRS, the father of Bray Wyatt. Um, he, uh, that crowd exploded during that match. And I, and I hear old timers talk about like the way crowds were and you, you don't believe it, but go back and watch Starcade 88, man. That was some legit stuff. That crowd was into that match. And when, uh, when Rick Steiner, won that television title that was a big deal it was pretty impressive i've always been an arn fan by the way because he always reminded me of my uncle uh so you're, you're talking about Arn. i i will say like i i'm with you on arn i have always thought he was a badass and he just had the uh i think it's safe to say we're in we're in safe company here to say that he had the more legit physique like he he was not like the ultimate warrior yeah. he didn't uh, you know he was not carrie von eric he was not whoever else he, he was it was just like just a tough sob like yeah. he just looked awesome and he could wrestle and that spine buster would freaking kill you you knew you were dead if you took that spine buster i i'd love dart anderson yeah so so good man i mean i, I kind of i went down the rabbit hole of of arn anderson matches when i was uh doing the research for for the videos i've been making so that was that was fun for me yeah i saw i saw, saw you mention uh arn anderson in there what was cool to me is like literally in like starcade i okay keep referencing starcade 88 but we just watched it last weekend on the uh cast stream for the this is the nwa but it was like the road warriors versus dusty and sting <laughs> it was like yeah i don't know i was just watching it i didn't know what was coming i just threw it on and i was like i i did like a google search for like great pay-per-views and it was star starcade 88 came up and i was like all right let's do it let's throw a starcade 88 lots of people showed up and it was like i saw that match happening and i was like what is this match like <laughs> these people like all of these people in one ring like they're fighting each other this is insane yeah, it's just I pulled up an old WWF pay-per-view. I don't remember which one it was, but back, you know, when when they were good. And 
it was like it was a six-man tag match and it was like the road warriors and man i can't remember the other baby face their 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 third but against like the nasty boys and big boss man and i was just like it started off the pay-per-view and it went for like 35 minutes. And I was like, this is great. Why don't they do this anymore? There's no storyline here. They just put some people in a match and they knew they put on a good match and they did, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent agree. WDB front run the uh, chat has mentioned it. Um, I came into wrestling later, but uh, Edge and Christian, Dudley's, Hardy set the tag team seat on fire during the Attitude Era. Legit main event matches you are not wrong about that like those guys were legit main event matches they were in a period where i think that vince was still at that same point of like he wasn't even sure about tag teams anymore i think that those teams on their own made tag team wrestling not die like they 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 kept it alive like just them there was there was this period during the 90s like when i was watching that it was like those three teams, Edge and Christian, Dudley's, Hardy's. You had uh, uh, the APA. Um, God, who else? There were there was a lot of teams during that time. It was like a it was a heyday kind of for the tag teams during the nineties for a little bit. But yeah, man, uh, I I don't I, I feel like he didn't know what to do with a lot of those people. But like. It was just like the Hardys were jobbers. Like they started off as jobbers and Edge and Christian. I feel like they just kind of, uh, they had an idea for edge and then they just kind of farted it out and then didn't do anything. And then they just throw him in with Christian and the Dudleys came over from ECW. And then all of a sudden these three teams are having the best matches in wrestling. Yeah. I personally think that, you know, Stone Cold and The Rock and those guys that came out of the Attitude Area, Era, Area, Attitude Area, it's getting late. Um, they they kind of, I don't think they soured Vince on tag teams, but I think that they pushed this idea to the forefront that only these um, big star singles guys could be um, the stars, you know, and I think that Vince may have tried to focus more on that for that reason. Um, so I don't know, you know, I'm done trying to figure out how Vince McMahon thinks. Cause I don't, I don't think he thinks like any of us. So <laughs> Vince McMahon, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody could ever predict, uh, how that guy thinks, uh, Von Eriks I'm seeing in the uh, chat now I'm seeing, uh, yeah, yeah. I love watching the Freebirds kick the Von Eric tail across Texas. Robert Simpson, you seem like you are a troublemaker like you, <laughs> You just seem like you're just trying to cause problems. Uh, this day in history, like, wasn't it yesterday that Kerry uh, Von Erich uh, won the NWA, the, the 10 pounds of gold, the world's heavyweight championship from Ric Flair? I think it was. I think it was yesterday. Nice. Um, the Von Erichs, like the nephew, or the, the sons of Kevin Von Erich, are actually in MLW right now, I think, <laughs> wrestling. So they're... Uh, the the legacy lives on well i don't want to keep you all night my brother um what uh, any what else you want to talk about anything else no man let's do this again let's do it again sometime let's um we'll we'll keep in touch and we'll uh, this was fun i like i like going live and just having a conversation with uh with another wrestling fan i'm i'm legitimately like 
lost in the conversation and i just looked and i was like oh it's almost midnight and yeah i do still have to work on friday morning so um yeah it's uh it is what it is man no this is exactly what i love i i miss this guys i miss you you, you know from the old nwa podcast uh i love the live stuff you guys in the chat like just chiming in uh robert sits has got one last point we're gonna hold for it uh, but uh well, well while uh, we're holding from that i will just you know summing up plug what i got going on which is uh my if you missed the beginning i'm documenting my journey into the nwa um just because it's i, I just i needed an outlet because i'm so excited about it because i'm having so much fun so uh if you go to my youtube channel um i've got a couple of videos on there and there'll be more to come uh but follow me on twitter because i'll tell you this for me, and I think Gary and I have talked about this before, but for me, wrestling is almost more about the community than it is the product. I just, I, I love being a part of community like this. That's why these conversations go on and on because I love talking about it. So any of you guys out there. And this is how Will and I fell in love. Yes. In the beard. <laughs> Our beards, they touched. And Our beards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, go follow me. Send me matches that I need to watch, uh, you know follow along as I kind of react to stuff because I just want to connect with you guys and um, just become part of you know the NWA fam because that that's what that's what makes it for me you know I don't I don't live in a bubble I want to be kind of a part of the community so I'm excited oh now Joe Lobin uh Lobin shows up says we're done with our show time to support Gary uh thank you so much for being here uh yeah I, you know Will is a good dude. I, I actually do know Will. Uh, I'll be honest, but um, no, he, he's he's legitimately jumping in on this NWA train, man. Uh, hashtag NWA fam. We're trying to make that a thing. Uh, you guys in the chat, make that a thing. Let's. I thought let's, it was already do thing. this. Well, it 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 sort of was, but uh, it, it just recently, like uh, uh, Mr. Stinson out there, and I am. And people were talking about like, let's make it like a real thing. Like let's, I I'm with Will. All I've ever cared about is the community part of it. That's all I, I ever wanted to start this podcast for in the first place was I just liked wrestling. This was a cool wrestling thing that was happening. Here's an outlet for me. Um, let's, let's do this. Uh, and, and so it's been cool to see so many people join in and so many people, by the way, that, we're out of wrestling not just people that are slowly finding wrestling for the first time or people that just stumble on to nwa from AEW or wwe it's like a lot of people that were into wrestling and then something happened along the way that they were like i'm done with wrestling i guess i just don't have that anymore and then nwa happens and they're back and uh and that's a really really cool thing um Oh, I guess I should acknowledge uh, money out to anus. <laughs> like old school tag teams like Demolition, LED, Road Warriors, Blade Runners, Orient Express, Strike Force. I don't believe you that you like the Blade Runners. <laughs> nobody, nobody liked the Blade Runners. I don't know anybody that knew the Blade Runners. And for anybody who doesn't know, that was like Sting and Ultimate Warrior when they were a tag team back in the day. So I like um, the Blade Runners. I love the Blade Runners. <laughs> I've got a Blade Runner right here. 
Yeah, well, you 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 have a Blade Runner, but I don't know that anybody. It's a Blade Runner with face paint on. Yeah, I don't know that anybody who knew who the Blade Runners were uh, or cared beforehand. Uh, no, NWA fam. Hey, listen, me and Will. Uh, a lot of you in the chat right now are going to appreciate the project that Will and I are working on right now. That's going to start hopefully soon, and it's all waiting on me because Will is clearly ready to go. Uh, so I am just trying to work on there. Just yeah, he's just sitting there waiting it's gonna be good you guys are gonna dig it and it's gonna involve a lot of questions like what we're talking about today when we got into tag teams and that thing uh tomorrow tomorrow night i'm actually doing a live stream again i'm gonna do another live stream for nwa power episode three i'm gonna be talking uh with a young lady named madeline hoptree and uh you guys are gonna dig her She's awesome. She's fun. She's a bartender downtown where uh, where I live, and uh, she's a cool chick. She's real fun, real fun to talk to. But she also loved wrestling when she was a kid and hasn't watched wrestling since. And she has started watching wrestling because of NWA Power. And uh, she's jumped in, and she is through episode three now. And tomorrow night we're going to try to go live and talk with madeline about what she thinks about episode three i think episode four on saturday night if you're listening um robert simpson in the chat i think he's going to join me for episode four and we'll keep it going we'll keep it planning we're just trying to do a corn stream binge watch of nwa power we're just trying to catch up on tuesday night next week if you guys aren't aware superpower airs Will, I don't know what you're gonna do, buddy. I have, uh, I, I, I'm so I'm so torn because I have heard about this, and I'm just like, oh man, how many episodes are there at this point? There's 20 episodes of Power, so oh, you would have I to. It. I got this. <laughs> you got it. You said Tuesday. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So Tuesday, Superpower airs, which is uh, the unaired episode of NWA power, like the extended edition of NWA power that they have re previously recorded that they just decided not to air. What's the, the whole COVID thing hit. And, uh, they've decided they're going to air it on Tuesday night. Uh, it features a Tim storm versus Jack stain match. If I'm not mistaken, wow. you'll see a matchup with Nick Aldis and Royce Isaacs versus marty Skrull and uh brody lee no not brody lee uh somebody help me out i just forgot. <laughs> i just forgot i'm terrible uh ring of honor talent though uh and uh it's gonna it's gonna be awesome robert Simpson says you got this brother this will be episode number 21 so you just gotta work your way up to that before tuesday and will we could do we could we could grab Robert Stitz and hop on the Zoom and do a superpower recap. That's Ooh. that's challenge. No, <laughs> Will has accepted the challenge. Robert Stitz, I hope you're ready. We can do that. So superpower is airing on Tuesday night at six oh five ish. Brody King, thank you. WWE front row. I was stalling until somebody freaking told me who the hell that was. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't. Yeah. Happy. I've never seen it. Yeah, well, Brody King, Marty Skrull versus Nick Aldis and Royce Isaacs. You get Tim Storm versus Jack Stane. 
a rematch from Will. You you said all you knew about Tim Storm was he won the NWA title from Jack State. So imagine there's bad blood there. 2016, yeah. Yeah. So, all right, you guys, tune in. Will, where are you at on all the social medias? One more time for all these people. Right here. Hey, it's Will. Twitter, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, if you're still using that. That's pretty much my handle everywhere. Um, YouTube, I'm not sure if that's my handle. You might just have to search for Will Martin or maybe Gary, you can link to it in the description or something to uh, to the project I'm working on right now. But yeah, hit me up. I'd love to hear from all you guys and, and keep the conversation going. Oh, Robert Stinson mentioned it's a question mark and Shooter Stevens versus the Rock and Roll Express. Will has no idea about all of that stuff. That's that's so cool. Superpower is going to be awesome. Will, I hope you I hope you do get catched up, catched up. That's how that's how late it is. Time for bed. All right, I am at this is Gary Horde on all the social medias. This is at the NWA Pod. Please tell everybody about us. Tell them to subscribe to this channel. We just recapped episodes number one and two, and we're going to keep it going. Corn Stream, NWA Power Rewind. You guys join us. Thank you so much for everything. We love you guys. And uh, thanks for listening.